Good evening. Call this meeting to order of the Canton Select Board for September 13th, 2022 at 5.31 p.m. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. First order of business, unfortunately, before we go on, is uh, well, that's a moment of silence in honor and memory of uh, uh, loving um, um, father, husband, and grandfather. First of all, uh, unfortunately, Michael Lochran Sr., a colleague's dad, passed away at 77 years of age on September 5th. Uh, Michael was born on March 11, 1945 in Canton. He leaves behind his wife, Patricia Lochran, and after 54, 54 years of marriage. Michael was a Boston College High School and Boston College graduate. He was proud to be a double eagle and a faithful fan of BC football as well as all New England sports. He was a teacher at Norwood Public Schools for many years and uh, attended Suffolk Law where he graduated and practiced labor law with many municipalities in uh, Massachusetts. Michael was active in St. John's Church as a cantor early in his life and provided songs for many weddings, funerals over the years. Michael was an avid golfer. He was the captain of the BC High and Boston College golf teams. And um, after the heights, he was a member of Wampata Country Club and Norfolk Golf Club for many, many years. Mike was a true scholar and a true gentleman. He, the loving father of four children, Michael leaves behind his daughter, Michelle, Sanders and her husband, Mark of West Roxbury, his son, Christopher Lochran and his wife, Pamela, his son, Brian Lochran and his wife, Michelle, and his son, Michael Lochran Jr. and his wife, Marie Olive Canton. In addition, Michael leaves 11 grandchildren. Michael served on the, excuse me, Michael served on the Canton School Committee. What am I do with that letter? Sorry, folks. Uh, Mike Larkin was in the school committee from 1968 through 1974 and then left for three years and uh, when there was a re uh, res resignation, they talked him come, to come back in 1978 and 1979, serving eight years in the Canton School Committee. Mike Larkin Sr. retired from Collins, Larkin and Peliquin in 2015 after 22 years of service. Mike Larkin was the town council for the town of Canton for 18 years, 1997 through 2015. And on a personal note, I worked with Mike, I first met him in 1983 when I was elected to the school committee and um, became fast friends. And he was a gentleman, a man with integrity, honesty, and courage. He, had a lot of, he made a lot of decisions and did a lot of things that he had to do for the, in, for the town of Ken. I'll ask that we say a moment of silence and keep uh, Mike Lachlan's family, his son Michael, who's with us, his lovely wife, Pat, and his grandchildren and his children, and um, his grandchildren. If you could have a moment of... Um, of uh, memory and Mike's honor, please. Thank you, folks. And that's uh, unfortunately that's uh, Lisa's father. Dad passed away two weeks ago, and uh, and now Mike. So just keep. No. No. Maybe they're talking. Maybe they're up up in heaven together. <laughs> I know they're both in heaven. I know that. So thank you, folks, for allowing me to do that. Uh, Mr. Theodore. <clears throat> discussion of the fundraising project for the food pantry is... You must be Marilyn from, I see you, from your pictures in the uh, paper, so... Good, how are you? Can you uh, either go to there or to the microphone after you hand out what you want to hand out, just so the folks at home can hear, the folks at home can hear you? Yes. Please. And I only have six copies, I apologize. So That's all right. That's okay. Share. Chris, you and I can share if you and like. How many minutes? So do you want me to do with a 10 minute version? Yes. Cliff <laughs> notes, okay. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. This microphone? Yes, whichever one you like. 
So I broke it down. Could you just need your name and address for the record, please, Marilyn? Marilyn Burke, 35 Collis Street, Plainville, Mass. I'm a, a local real estate agent with Keller Williams Realty, Boston Southwest, which services Canton. Thank you. Go ahead. I was born in Canton. My background, born in Canton, lived here as a young girl, then was raised in Norwood, came back and raised my children here. Right. So, Thank you. You're welcome. So um, the why, I actually, I'll cut to the quick. I attended a business planning workshop in Safety Harbor, Florida, and they had a Halloween stroll that was on the street with beautiful chalk drawings, and each vendor came out and had a display at the lamppost, and I thought of the renovation that we did in Canton and all the projects, and I thought our downtown would look beautiful with these types of displays, and then the ideas kind of merged together when I did the Heritage Festival and the food pantry. I, you know, just scuttlebutt. I saw people that I hadn't seen in a while, and I heard there was a need for the Canton food pantry for money and food, an immediate need. So I started thinking about it. I talked to my team, and I said, let's fundraise, but let's, let's go big. Let's do something really memorable and bring all these people together because they hadn't been together since the pandemic. So I came up with the idea of a Halloween stroll coupled with vendors participating by decorating each lamppost. I counted 55 in the town, and I thought if I, we charged them $1,000 a post, they would decorate with a Halloween display. Very controlled, though. All the details are in the plan. So they would have each have a number. They would have the vendor's business information. And they would have some type of patronage on a website, which I already started, and a Facebook page. I would, my team and I, the support team, would collect or s solicit vendors. And the money would be paid directly to the food pantry. So until the donation was made, they don't receive a number. There are 55 opportunities, and I feel like I can fill those very easily. So what do they get in exchange? They get a beautiful display that everybody drives by, and then the result would be a Halloween stroll on or around Sunday, October 30th. They can walk by, they can make a donation, they'll be encouraged to donate. So we could raise as much as $55,000 from vent local vendors and businessmen and the townspeople who can make a canned donation to attend the Halloween stroll. So that's the idea. Um, I've solicited a few other organizations to help. Uh, I know John, we briefly, my friend Betty, who knows John, uh, we started saying, who do we need to talk to about this? Who can help? So one group of folks have mothers and daughters, uh, an alliance in Canton, the National Charity League, they'll help busy, busy vendors to make the displays. So, and, and we were thinking about like how big they need to be. I have some pictures which I sent to the selectmen so you can see. And they're not that big, but they're very attractive and it, and it just decorates the downtown area. So that's basically it in a nutshell. Okay. Are there any questions or comments from many members of the board? How long do they stay decorated for? We, the, they would have to take it down the following week. So from the 31st to November 5th, they'd have five days to remove the display and clean up the station. And each vendor would be responsible for checking on their display, making sure there was no spillage into the street, 
and materials that we would use, we would carefully laminate. The staples in Mansfield will help with that. They're going to laminate the numbers, so no paper would be allowed where there's any litter or if there was inclement weather that the, the display, they would know there's a risk of it, if it got rained or snowed on, that would be at their peril and they'd have to replace it. Ms. Lopez? Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you. I You're mean, welcome. A, a wonderful um, demonstration of civic pride and community involvement. So thank you. Thanks for stepping up. Um, just a couple of uh, operational details. Sure. Um, what's your plan for notifying vendors of this opportunity? <laughs> and who sort of organizes that? Who collects the money? Yep. Um, so we, we're calling ourselves the, the team or the support team. Yeah. So I have five, five staff members right now who will be calling and door knocking and, and approaching different vendors. So I think it's gonna be by attraction. One person will tell the other person. And I looked at how many folks patronize the Heritage Festival and then the food pantry. And I would talk to Tom. I already met some of them. I already told them about the idea. So I already have a handful of people that I think that would get involved quickly. And if you look at what our sponsorship prices were to participate in those, this didn't seem that far off. It's right in line with what people have already done for the Heritage Festival. So it was just word of mouth, advertising. Um, I talked to Connor at the Canton Citizen. I would take each week, the way I feel, we'll start light. <coughs> so calling it on foot is less expensive than doing printing, mailing, etc. Sure. So I would just use a progressive response. If we needed more folks, then we would increase the print ad and outreach. But I feel we could do it with phone calling. I really do. I'm using the citizen, anyone who already advertises, and door knocking all those local businesses that already have street front spots. I would think they would love to do that to help out the town. Well, certainly vendor to vendor, business person to business person seems the way to go. Yes. So thanks for your willingness to spend the time to do that. You're welcome. Great. Any other comments or questions? And everything's outlined in the agenda, so you can see the details. And I, one of my pet peeves, as you're well, well aware of, that uh, no tape on the, uh, the black poles up front, uh, uh, yes. light poles, because we have people who put um, uh, yard sales and this and that on those, and you know, um, and when you remove the tape without being careful, it takes the, we have to redo the, the pole. Absolutely, I was thinking like those zip ties and the materials would be provided to the vendor. We would also measure, they'd have a map of where their, their number was, and they would have a restriction as for the size. So each display would have to be approved before it goes street front. And the sidewalk will be always passable, correct? Yes, Okay, 100%. I just wanna make sure of that. Because with uh, bills of hay and things of that nature, sometimes they get, they get um, a little Messy. cumbersome. <laughs> get wide. Yes, they do. And the only other question, um, so there's no, if I want to bring my family or someone else brings their family, there's no cost. Um, no. Just if you want to make a donation, there'll be a place that uh, citizens can make a donation or a, um, a donation to their, in, in cans, canned goods or dry goods to the Canton Food Pantry, correct? It's based on the honor system and just from their heart that they know they're gonna, if they participate in the stroll, it would be a dollar per person per family or a canned good. And I'm hoping they'll just do that. No one's going to check to see on the honor system, but that, that they could stroll every day. So you're day. asking for money? Well, they could stroll, we're asking I, see, I don't like the idea of asking for money. They, Just, they can ask for donations, donations, but to say the honor system, that means you're looking for money. You expect them to pay. So I don't really, so I, I as one I, member, I don't want to see, 
I want to see it be free yeah. and not, yes. you know, if a family of 10, you know, I did, you know, if they want to throw something in, you know, donations, cash are welcome, but to say that on a system, that means that you're expecting payment. Okay, I don't so appreciate that. I, I, I have for one member and I miss, I misspoke. I, we'd like to encourage them to donate to the food pantry. That's the goal. Okay. That's, that's fine. I have no problem with that, but to the insinuation that they have to make a donation, I, I, right. I, one member, I'd rather see it be free. Yeah. N nothing is, is forced. It's hard, you know, okay. out of generosity. Good. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Is your motion, Mr. Theodore? To approve the Halloween stroll uh, to take place on Sunday, October 30th, with the de uh, details that was just explained to us. Second. Motion has been made and second. Any further comments or questions, Mr. Luckin? Sorry, do, do we know if that conflicts with the Parks and Rec Parade? That's usually uh, Saturday, right? No, that's usually Sunday. It's probably going to be the 30th. It's probably going to be in the 30th, so. Okay. Because normally it's a, it's a Sunday before the 31st and it's uh, Halloween's on a Monday. Yep. A lot of kids would be disappointed when we were all growing up, we wanted Halloween to be on a Saturday or a Sunday, especially right. a Saturday. <laughs> so, is that all right, Mr. Lockett? The Lockard? date is flexible. If Did you want it on a particular date? We have time to well, amend. Whatever works, it doesn't make a difference. To Mike? So the, the parade is just, uh, it is that Sunday at one o'clock, so it's just. So why don't I think it makes sense to time it around the you know on that date, don't you? Yeah, sure. All right, let let's. Okay. Gives people more sun, something. Yeah, the more the merrier. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. What do you think? Yeah, that's fine. Keep it the way it is. Okay. Great. Perfect. Motion's been made, seconded. Motion been made, seconded. No further discussion. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed, five zero. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, Mr. Birmingham. Come on up, sir. And Mr. Tom Birmingham, Chairman of the Energy Advisory Committee for the Town of Canton. Thank you, sir. Good evening, Select Board. Tom Birmingham, 88 Sherman Ave, Canton, Mass. I'm here to give you a status update on the Canton Energy Advisory Committee. Uh, the last time we met was on the 2nd of August and I appeared before the select board with a request to review and approve five action items and uh, it was requested by the town administrator if we could hold off on that vote until we had an opportunity to meet on the side with uh, the incoming and outgoing town administrators uh, which did occur on September uh, sorry August 30th and September 6th. Uh, so my re my request tonight is to re um, pr propose the five recommendations that you had previously uh, been presented with, and I can go over those again tonight. And then there's a sixth recommendation which you have not seen uh, formally until tonight. Go ahead and uh, do you want to rename them again, Tom? Sure. Uh, and if if it's okay with the select board, I would recommend that we try to take a, a vote or action on each one of these sequentially, please. So for the first one, uh, we were trying to uh, make a decision on the program name. So this is the uh, Municipal Energy Aggregation Program that we're looking to launch that was approved by the town at uh, open meeting in May of 2021. 
So <clears throat> the re recommendation uh, from the Canton Energy Advisory Committee is to propose the name Canton Electricity Choice. Uh, we believe it's simple, consistent with other town programs, and translates well in other languages. Is there a motion? Board approval the choice as a program name. Second. Motion made and second. Any discussion, concerns, comments? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Five zero. Next one, Tom. Thank you. Second request is regarding the program logo. What I'm seeking uh, select board permission is to move ahead with the logo, not the logo design. Uh, Mass Power Choice is the vendor that we've uh, selected to facilitate program development and uh, implementation and they would be able to develop the logo with their team. Um, so we think it's a good idea to have a logo. It's a branding opportunity. It associates the program with something that's consistently viewed across. This program at a minimum is gonna last several years. Uh, and there's gonna be a lot of communications with the public about the program. So we wanna associate a logo with that. So the, the second part of the logo was to try to identify something associated with Canton that's not official town but also very recognizable. So we were thinking of including the uh, concept of the viaduct as part of the logo design. And if you're okay with that, then that would be something that we would work with the uh, mass power choice to design and then I could bring the finished logo before you for approval. Is there a motion, Mr. Theodore? Yeah, I move that the board approve the uh, mass power choice to develop a logo uh, based on the approved name and using the Canton viaduct or other image to um, Reference to town. So. Second. Motion made and second and come back with the final the final rendition. Yes. Motion made and second. Any further discussion, comments, concerns? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, 5-0. Yes, sir, Mr. Birmingham. Thank you. Item number three, uh, the program itself has a number of different uh, ways that you can present this to the public. The committee is recommending a three-tier uh, or three-option program uh, versus what our other towns do is three or four. Uh, we think a three-tiered option is a little more simple to understand. It's the first time we're doing this uh, as a town, and we recommend trying to keep this as simple as we can. So our recommendation, uh, with your approval, is to propose a three-tiered uh, program design. I move that the board uh, approve the recommended three-tiered program design. Motion by main second. Any further discussion, comments, or concerns? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, 5 0. Thank yes, you. Um, Keep going. You're, you're on a roll. I know. Thank you. Uh, the request number four is. But usually for, people don't go for three for three or four for four. <laughs> Ask Bernie. <laughs> well, this is my second time around. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so, program options is uh, the names for those three tiers is the next decision. As you may recall, we made a recommendation the last time we were before you, and there was some feedback uh, from the select board on trying to differentiate, differentiate the names a little more clearly. Um, so we went back to the committee, and uh, we also had a chance to talk with uh, incoming town administrator and town finance director and uh, got some feedback. The recommendation right now is to go for the three names of Canton Basic, Canton Standard Green, and Canton Plus Green. Um, I didn't bring extra copies with me, but I was, hopefully you had received something prior to the meeting that illustrates how this works. 
Um, if, for the record, <clears throat> I could just uh, take your attention to this figure one, and that illustrates going left to right the different program tiers that um, help explain why we're going for three and the suggested names. If you'd like, I can give you a further explanation of those, but those three names are the ones that we recommend at this time based on feedback from you. Are there any questions for Mr. <coughs> Mr. Birmingham, the chairman? Hearing none, I look for a motion, Mr. Theodore. We, are we going to vote on each one, or are we going to vote on all three of them? All three, three of them. Ones. Okay, so I'll just combine the uh, recommend that the board um, approve the three tier program: the Canton Basic, Canton Standard Green, and Canton Plus Green. Uh, yes. Canton Basic, Canton Standard Green, and Canton Plus Green. Yes. Okay. Motion be made and second. Any further discussion, <laughs> comments, or concerns? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, five zero. Mr. Thank Birmingham. you. Okay. Fifth request is to uh, consider approval now for what's called an operational adder. Uh, operational, this what was that? I'm sorry. An operational adder. Oh, okay, yeah. And the request for an adder would be part of the plan that would be submitted to the Department of Public Utilities. And then at a later time, the select board would have an opportunity to vote on whether we actually fund the plan. Uh, if we do not ask for this operational adder up front, we have no chance of getting approval of it from the DPU. If we do ask and get approval, we can make that decision later of what exactly that, that you explained adder before, exactly. Yes. If you don't do it now, we'll forever hold your peace, right? That's right. So our recommendation is to request that up front now. Any questions from Mr. Birmingham? Hearing none, all those in favor, I'll make a motion. I'll make a motion to <laughs> add an operational adder to the program, correct? Yes. Second. Motion is made and second. Any discussions, comments, concerns? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, 5 0. Thank and you. Number six, sir. Okay, the last one is uh, new for you all, so I'll take a, just a minute to explain this. Um, this is what we're calling the aggregation plan development process. So, the, the process that we're going through, being led by Mass Power Choice, is an opportunity to um, introduce to the town what this program is. That's what we're really focused on right now. There's a couple of different phases that we need to go through per the recommendation of the um, Mass Power Choice. And their suggestion is a three-phased approach to developing and promoting the aggregation plan as proposed here in phase one we would begin a general messaging program around the aggregation program. So this is the first opportunity for the general public to learn more about what this energy aggregation choice program is. Basic communications plan. Phase two is to announce the public plan presentation and uh, seek public comment. And also uh, what, what is key to this is also to survey the town residents and try to determine what is it that they would like to see from an energy aggregation program. We think the survey makes a lot of sense. Um, it's a direct way to capture uh, residents' feedback and to make sure we're going down the right path. So phase two, again, is this announcement of the plan and an introduction of a survey. It's designed to be very simple. We can share with the survey before, with you before we issue it. Uh, but the, uh, the, the versions that I've seen are very simple, and it's just really how much green energy do you want to see in Canton, okay, for the most part. 
So that's phase two. Last phase is uh, to continue the outreach during the regulatory review process. This whole plan goes in front of the DPU for approval. That process takes anywhere between 12 and 18 months. So we don't want the program to go cold. We want the town to continue to be interested and stay on top of what this uh, energy aggregation program offers them. And as, as many of you know, the electric bills are very high right now. There's a lot of interest among town residents um, to figure out a better way to, you know, more affordable way to manage their energy bills. So I think it would be a timely opportunity to continue that communications while it's under review. So in summary, I'm seeking your approval of a three-phase program to introduce to the general public what the program is, get their feedback, and continue to uh, keep the program fresh in their minds. Those are the three phases. Thank you. Any questions for Mr. Birmingham? Ms. Lopez? Um, it sounds like a great approach. Um, I remember that when the broker gave us an orientation to municipal electric aggregation, as well as I think there was another uh, member of a community um, who spoke with us as well, they used um, a website as one of the tools to have sort of illustrative cases where people could uh, plug in their own electric bills and under various scenarios kind of see what it would be. And I'm just wondering whether in any one of these phases your plan is to introduce a dedicated website to communicate with the public. That is part of the plan, yes. Okay. And the, uh, the development and management of that website will be done through the broker. So no town resources are required. Thank you. Mr. Lagren? Yeah, uh, uh, Mr. Chairman. Um, how long are the phases, uh, ballpark? I, I support sure. it. I, I think it's a great plan. I'm, I'm just curious. Um, sure. Uh, phase one's probably a couple months. Phase two, similar. Phase three, as I mentioned, <clears throat> between 12 and 18 months. Okay, perfect. We're, we're hoping to streamline the first two phases and try to get this in front of the department as soon as possible. That's my sort of request for you all is to let's keep the pedal to the metal and exactly. keep driving this thing because... It's, it's been a while since it's been approved by the town, so we want to keep it going. Thank you. Any further questions or comments? I just have one uh, concern. It's nothing to do with, with really you or, or your, your group. Is that a day doesn't go by where I don't get a call, uh, and it's a spam call, so you won't be calling people, correct? And do you want to save, you want to save your, on your electric bill or your gas bill or your yada, yada, yada bill? Right. And of course, of course I do. And it's all a scam. So you won't be calling people. I just want to make that perfectly clear that uh, the town of Canton will be, be direct mail or, yeah. or, or, or at, at faces like, like the yeah. uh, farmer's market or something of that right. nature where people like yourself, you could have name with the face. But I'm just nervous that some folks who say, oh, yeah, I want to save energy. Of course, everybody wants to save energy. And that's a, that concerns me because um, you know, then I said, you know, who, who do I have? Oh, I don't know who you have. Well, if right. you call me, you would know, wouldn't you? And, but that's another story. My daughter's giving me a hard time about talking to him. But um, so that's my concern. It has nothing to do with you, but to make sure, sure that, uh, make it clear that they, you won't call anybody. No phone calls, no, uh, no emails, nothing of that nature, because it's a scam. Yes, Ms. Lopez. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ms. Birmingham, but I think one of the advantages of communications of a program that the town meeting has agreed to go forward on is that we can always use a Canton Town Seal to represent that this is a Canton endorsed program Important. and distinguish it from you know the dozens of folks who say that they're going to save money and pray frankly on the older adults. Yeah, that, that's, yeah that's my yeah. concern. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, agree with your concern. I have the same concern. That's why the communications phase is so important, and we're going to work very hard to get that clear and concise and also uh, work with a number of community partners that are trusted by the residents and make sure that the message is going through people that they already trust. The council's aging and things of that nature, absolutely. Thank you. That was my only concern. Mr. Uh, Theodore, is there a motion, sir? Yeah, move that we approve the aggregation plan development process uh, consisting of the three phases that were just described. Second. Motion's been made and second. Any further discussion, comments, concerns? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, five zero. Thank you. Okay, so I'll plan on coming back after uh, our next meeting with an update report, and uh, hopefully we'll have a plan for you all to review a draft plan uh, within the next several weeks. Great. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you think, Andrew, you'd like to come up? Yeah. Right, Laurie? Our library director, Andrew Capone. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Thank you. Um, so I'm here today, uh, Andrea Capone, library director, but also Canton resident, uh, Five Curtis Circle, and uh, member of the Canton Friends of the Public Library, lifetime member. Um, very recently, August 29th, we lost a beloved member of our Canton Library family. Her name was Betty Ann Swartz, and she worked for the town in the Children's Library for over 40 years. I remember her vividly um, as a child. Betty Ann provided exceptional library service to me and is one of the reasons why I was inspired to become a librarian. Betty Ann passed away um, and the library staff and the library friends are uh, hosting a celebration of life for Betty Ann on September 25th in the library community room. <coughs> the friends of the library have established a memorial fund for donations for Betty Ann. And we are inviting all of the select board members and members of the public to come to the library to a Patriots themed celebration. Betty Ann was an enormous Patriots fan. Um, and we will be having some refreshments and sharing some memories of Betty Ann. So we are welcoming the community to come and attend this event in the community room, and we would hope to see any of you there to share your memories of Betty Ann with us. It is from 1 to 4 p.m. on Sunday, September 25th. The library will be closed, but the community room will be open, so you can come in through the special events entrance. We'll have nice big signage for everyone. Um, please feel free to wear your Patriots-themed apparel. This is going to be a celebration um, and we do hope that you all will attend. Um, we will be adding some of the, the images and pictures from Betty Ann throughout the years at the library into our local history collection. And we hope that if people want to leave um, notes for the family, that they would do so at that time. So, he was assistant wiring commissioner for years again. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. Yes. So uh, condolences to uh, good friends at the library, and, and it's a wonderful idea. So, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank we you. hope to see everyone there. Yeah. Thank Thanks. You. All right. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, I mean, Mr. Uh, yeah, Mr. Chairman. Yeah. yeah, I always talk to myself, you know that. <laughs> yeah. 
the fire, fire, um, no, the fire chief uh, interviews, yes. Yes, please. Right at six o'clock. So Tommy did your job right on time. <laughs> and we kept, we kept, we hold Randy to the same, the same high mark, high water mark, we'll be doing all right. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome. Thank you. All, all dressed up. All dressed up. Look great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for coming. I'll try sometimes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'll start it off if you if you want to just uh, introduce yourself. Uh, sure. Where you're from, your family, yep. anything you'd like to tell us about yourself, and then we'll ask some questions around the room and uh, be at it, relax. It's and you know we, we want to just be yourself. Absolutely. For a long time, so you know just just be yourself. Okay. Sure. It's just, it's always, always try no to heavy lifting here. Okay. All right. All right. My name is Jamie Meyer. I'm 50 years old. I uh, was born in Stoughton. My father was a firefighter. My grandfather on my mother's side was a firefighter. So even though I'm from Stoughton, I grew up listening to the Thanksgiving Day games around my grandfather's house. <laughs> uh, so I know the sisterhood that Stoughton and Canton kind of have. I've been married for 22 years to my wife, Ami. I have a son and a daughter, 20-year-old daughter. She's in Manhattan in college right now. Oh, nice. And my son is a junior in high school. Uh, I've been in EMS since 1996 as an EMT and a paramedic in the private industry. I got hired by the Canton Fire Department in 2002. So I've been on for a little over 20 years. Um, in, 19, in 2010, I took the position of EMT coordinator, which was a part-time position, overseeing some of the, the supplies and stuff for the ambulance service. And in 2011, uh, we created the EMS coordinator position, which was a full-time position. I got that position, and I was in that position about five and a half years, where it was kind of a build it from the, the, the ground up again, uh, especially since the paramedic service was kind of kicking in over the last decade. It kind of needed that paramedic touch, which we had, hadn't had uh, before that. Uh, so I did a lot of work with that, working with budgets, working with supplies, working with training, uh, and coordinating a lot of the, the stuff with the EMS coordinator. Uh, I was the union president and vice president for a few years during that period of time. I've done a lot of contract negotiations for the unions and the, and the town manager. Uh, and for the last five years, over five years, I've been a, a lieutenant. Uh, so I worked my way out of the EMS corner position. It was a firefighter position. I took the test and I made uh, to lieutenant. I've been working that position as a supervisory position since then. Great. Now you want to open up to the board. Any questions? Who wants to start off? Mike? Sure. Um, so, Jamie, um, the fire department obviously has a, uh, a great leader uh, in Charlie Duty. Um, he's well respected among his peers. Um, I don't want to say that there's concern, but, you know, how do we keep the fire department, uh, and I don't mean exactly as it is because I know you're going to want to put your stamp on it, but how do we keep everything running smoothly? Um, what are your visions for that? Um, well, you know, I got on in 2002 when uh, Charlie became the deputy chief a couple soon before that. Uh, and he, I kind of used him as a mentor early on. He may not remember, but uh, when he used to take overtime at Station 2, I would ask him questions at night. He'd always give me a bunch of information. So I've been involved in the fire department for 20 years. I've taken a, a lot of positions, a lot of different roles. Um, and I've worked closely with everyone in the department. I think. Um, to move it forward is set a vision. I think any chief needs to set a vision for your department and co collaborate with those people. 
Um, I think it takes a lot of working with the select board. I think it takes a lot of working with the other department heads. I, I know, uh, I didn't mention in my introduction, but I also worked in CASA for the, in, its introduction. When we started off with CASA, uh, I was one of the designees for the department because I was the EMS coordinator so I could provide data uh, on the overdose epidemic that was going on, what we were dealing with as a town. So I met the likes of uh, chief, uh, the chief of police, um, and uh, I met the superintendent, who was the current superintendent of schools, uh, Mr. Folan, and uh, I've made a lot of networking through that. And I think that's what it really takes is to, you know, it's not a job you want to do by yourself. You want to really collaborate with the people you work with. I, I see myself as a leader who takes a lot of information in, right? I like people to be themselves, have that self-actualization uh, in what they want, and have job satisfaction. So I really want to let the, the employees, you know, build the department as well, which Charlie has done over the last you know, 14 years. Uh, I want to continue that. I think we have a great department right now. And I think, you know, I know Charlie has told you, I know you get a lot of feedback from the, the citizens of this town. Um, so working with the, the department, knowing who you, what resources you have outside of the department. Uh, I have a, a large network of people in other fire departments. I also work currently at the Massachusetts Fire Academy, which will be, I teach recruits Towns from all over the, the, the Commonwealth send their recruits to the fire academy to learn how to be firefighters. And I work with them to build them over the 10-week recruit program. Uh, but also, because of that, I've built a great network of other chiefs, uh, other officers in other departments. So there's tons of resources out there. I've been to the National Fire Academy twice for classes. I took a managing officer class down there. Um, so you build networks outside different states. I know officers in Washington State, Florida, Texas, Louisiana, and I think that's what it takes to build a vision, to know, understand the fire service, what it is currently, and what it's going to, what it needs in the future. Um, so that's what I plan on doing as the fire chief moving Thanks. forward. And just um, in in your first year, um, how do you see yourself going from lieutenant, uh, because it is a jump, mm -hmm. um, to the chief, like? How do you, what is your plan for getting up to speed as quickly as possible, learning town budgets? You'd be on the other side of the negotiating table, and uh, yep. what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Uh, one of the important things about being the EMS coordinator was it was a managerial position because you're overseeing a couple line items. You know, I managed the supply line, the equipment line. Um, I did a lot of administrative work keeping records on we had to have ambulance licenses. You had to file those licenses every year. We got inspections. I had to work with the inspectors from the state. Um, you know, I, uh, excuse me. Don't worry. Don't worry. I worked with supply. I created supply lines. I created SOGs, right? 28 SOGs I had to create from scratch to sort of develop our, uh, that EMS system. So I've worked in those administrative type of roles already. Um, as far as, you know, budgets, budgets are something that I, I, I feel I'm good at personally, uh, but I would certainly work with um, Mr. Scollins from the Finance Committee, communicate with him to get, to really get on track with the, what the budget looks like and how it would work moving forward. I have the chief behind me who is going not going to be very far phone call away. Uh, the deputy chief is, uh, you know, a very talented individual that is a resource to work with. Uh, so again, like I said before as well, having resources and a network of, of collaborative between people in the town and uh, in the department and all over the country, I think that's really how you get you going over that first year. You start reaching out to people like uh, the police chiefs 
and the uh, building inspectors and things like that. And you try to build that vision in that first year. I think the first year is really about creating that vision, knowing where your department is, where it wants to go, where you want to see it going. Um, so I think that's what the first year plan is to do. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Lopez? Um, first of all, thank you for stepping up. It's always best when a community can um, promote from within <clears throat> and when our own municipal employees feel good enough about the town that they want to stay with us this long. So really appreciate um, you doing so. Uh, you had a couple of things in your application that I just want to probe a little bit further. Um, you mentioned that as, as one of your skills and accomplishments, um, it's really about leadership through counseling, coaching, and mentoring. Mm -hmm. And, and I'd like to know, without talking about particular individuals, give me some examples. Um, talk to us about what is that, what is that really meant sure. in your um, you know, experience? How have you personally contributed in that way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so part of it is going back and becoming an instructor at the fire academy and gaining that kind of training knowledge that I can take back with me. You know, I'm constantly relearning and relearning things that become stagnant in the fire department. So I can bring that back to my groups and retrain and make sure that I, I do a lot of the training for my individual groups. Uh, for mentoring, I have a bachelor's degree in fire science. I've been mentoring people to further their education. We have a lot of guys that are interested in in getting their associates or bachelor's degree uh, in fire science, so they're going to do that. Uh, mentoring is it's about having the knowledge behind the fire service and being able to provide that, especially with EMS. Um, when people don't understand things, I have the information to give them, and I, I keep tons and tons of files on personally so I, so I can reflect back on them and show them, right? People want to know the whys behind things. I think that's where the mentoring and coaching comes from, is if you know the whys, you can explain that to people, people understand the system better. Because really, what well, the fire department is a system that has to work really well to provide the great service that we do to the uh, citizens of Canton. And would it be fair to assume that your peers and colleagues would cite you as someone who has mentored them? I absolutely believe. There are many people in my department that if you ask them personally, they would say that I gave them some advice, some encouragement, some coaching, some mentoring over the last five to ten years that have helped them. I, I have, you know, people have just told me recently that they signed up for the associate's or bachelor's degree and they, and fire science because of information that I gave them. I'll sit them down at the computer and I'll go through the websites and show them the steps it takes. Um, if people want to go to the National Fire Academy, because I've done that, I can guide them through the process and tell them what they're going to expect when they get there. Uh, people have asked me that they want to be the next lieutenant. I can show them um, you know, paths they can take but going to the Mass, Mass Fire Academy to take classes, Instructor One, Officer One. These are sort of, there are sort of roads you can take. You have a goal, personally, there are roads to take. And there's sort of a map out there. And I've been fortunate where I found myself on those roads. And, and you open doors and you find more doors available. So I've been through all those doors. And I can show people how to get through those doors. And I have. And I think if you asked many of the people in my department, they would tell you that. Another question you also mentioned as a skill, um, your ability to be forward thinking, to create new innovative ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, can you cite some examples, again, from your past, specifically where um, innovation has resulted from your personal contribution? Sure. So I can go back to when I was the EMS coordinator. Right? There was a, again, we were working out of a system, and I went in and had to reassess the whole system. So an area where I expanded the service through innovation, so that we, we used to have an, a basic level ambulance and a paramedic level ambulance. So we found ourselves 
at times needing that second ALS paramedic level ambulance. It's a higher level of care. And if you don't have that, you send your basic level ambulance because it's the only one available, and then you have to call in other towns to, to sort of take over and then transport the, to the hospital. So again, when I talk about the standard operating guidelines that I created, that took several, a lot of research to get to a place where we could create we, some twisting. Right? So right now we have what's called the PB system as well. So it's a paramedic and a base that could be on the ambulance. Before that, they only wanted two paramedics to be on the ambulance, um, but there were some rules if you put them into place through SOGs approved by your medical control director that you could put one paramedic on the ambulance and still be able to provide that service. So that expanded our ability to, op to provide better service to the town without having to ask other towns. It also, when you, get, when you bill for ambulance services, the ambulance that transports. So that allowed us to also recapture that money that we were losing to other towns. That's one innovative way. Um, I looked into innovative ways to use to do training. We, um, I took in three bids through online training systems. So now, because it's hard to hit everyone, four, four different groups and people working in different divisions to get them up to training. And there is a, a, a system of training. Right? Everyone has to go through the same system. Um, and so to, to bring in a computerized system where people could take those classes online was uh, made it much easier for the department to get their recertification. We have to recertify our licenses every two years, and you have to go through this national core competency program, uh, taking certain classes. So I created also a, a whole system to incorporate a bunch of the training that we were doing in-house and the computerized training to advance that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Theodore? Um, I, everybody's asking. Hi, Lieutenant. Um, just following up on your cover letter, you talk about your vision for the future through community risk reduction. Mm -hmm. What would just be some examples of that or just expand upon that? Sure. Uh, community risk reduction is um, just finding lots of ways to reduce. Uh, it used to be we were talking about prevention. Now we're talking about risk reduction, right? Because we know we can't prevent everything, but we're talking, we can try to reduce those things. So things like um, when I went to the National Fire Academy, I worked on a program for community risk reduction. We talked about um, elderly home cooking, right? So the large amount of home fires are caused by cooking, and they can also be narrowed down to elderly people and their cooking, unattended cooking. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a program that we can get into to start addressing that. Through education, we, we can go out to the senior centers, maybe even to the, um, the places where the seniors live, and, uh, and give them information, train them on things like that, unattended cooking, why it is. Um, things like even simple as well, during Fire Prevention Week, um, you know, firefighters like to eat. We go to the grocery store sometimes to make our family meal. Um, I, one day I sat outside with some flyers. It was Fire Prevention Week, and as people came out of their, their grocery store, simple as simple as just handing them a flyer, change your smoke detectors, it's Fire Prevention Week, change your batteries, something as simple as that. Um, up to larger programs, like we have, we're trying to build the community paramedicine. We can collect data from our run reports that can identify things that are problems in the area medically, people who are coming home from the hospitals with a COPD, a chronic uh, obstructive pulmonary diseases, and we can go out and meet them when they get home and sort of prevent them from having to go back to the emergency room right away. Those are little things that we can create larger outreach to our communities and make them safer and better. And we can measure that by looking at the data. If we start to see those numbers come down, if we start to see home cooking fires coming down, mm -hmm. we'll know that those programs are working. Right. There's lots of programs out there. There's um, the National Fire Academy and the National, uh, the NFPA have lots of programs out there that we can reach out and grab and, and start using. 
Um, so those are just some innovative ways that I want to expand our outreach to the community through community risk reduction. Excellent. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Any uh, comments or questions anymore? Um, just give me um, um, things that you uh, are very good at and a couple of things that you need improvement on, like every, all of us have to improve. And if you were to get the, at the position as chief, um, what, what do you see uh, long-term? Is it five years, ten years? Um, what, what, do you, what do you envision in, well, in the department? Because it's always, as you just sure. said, it's always changing and got to change. But, you know, with, that's a great um, uh, program, you know, unattended fires. That's, that's yep, huge. Absolutely. Um, my goals are, uh, I'm, I told you at the beginning, I'm 50 years, I'll be turning 50 actually next month. I'm 49 right now. I hate, don't want to push myself and, uh, any further, but uh, so I have at least No 50. gray hair yet. I noticed that. Well, you've got to look closer, <laughs> believe me. Uh, but uh, so I have at least 50, I have at most 15 more years, but that, and that is a, a, a goal. Um, anyway, I have at least 11 and a half more years before I can reach my retirement quota. So I have 11 and a half more years that I'm going to be here, uh, hopefully 15. You know, it depends, when we get to that point, we'll start to assess, you know, how successful I'm being, um, what more vision, what more goals I have to do, uh, and try to use up all that time I can. Just like when I was the EMS coordinator, you know, I. I I left at a time where I felt like it, I left it in a good place. I left the structure in place. You know, I didn't build the whole house, but the framework was there. The rooms were built. The plumbing and electric was is, was in there, and you you got to let it free for someone else to take kind of take the reins. Uh, so I do have a you know one year, five year, ten year visionary plans. You envision that all being in the town of Canton? Absolutely. No, I'm I'm committed to Canton. I've been here since 2002. Um, I've loved every minute of it. Uh, I've met wonderful people, I've got relationships with people. Uh, the reason why I'm here is because I, you know, I, I've got a resume that could go, that is a chief level resume anywhere, but this is where I want to be. I love the people I work with. I know they're committed to this job and that they're, they're, they give great service. This is a great department. I know the chief has told you this before. I can back it up. We have a great department. I, like as I said, I, I meet a lot of other officers and chiefs around and you hear about their horror stories or some of their troubles that they have. And uh, so, uh, fortunately, coming in as the chief, you set up in a good place. Just like when I built the framework for the EMS, the framework is built by the chief, uh, chief duty. Uh, so that's a positive. Things I have to work on, um, I'm not the best speaker in the world. <laughs> I'm an introvert, so it's hard for me to come out and, and, and do these kind of things. Um, not that I can't or I don't enjoy meeting people and talking to people, it's just it's exhausting for an introvert. Uh, that's something I work on daily. I've known that my whole life, and uh, it's something I always have to work on, that anxiety of, of, of moving forward. But what I'm strong at is, is that drive. Uh, I have a drive to be the best firefighter. I have a drive to be the best paramedic. I have a drive to be the best EMS coordinator. Um, the chief gave me the task of creating the model service, and when I left, I believe I did create the model service because other towns started following that as well. I wanted to be the best lieutenant I could possibly be. And if I become the chief, I'm going to drive to be the, through research, through courses, and through working with my department and the guys I know, I'm going to drive to be the best chief that ever existed, if possible. I know with the realization that, you know, I, I'm humbled to know that that may not be attainable, but that should always be a goal. No longing to go back to uh, the Midwest? <laughs> no, no, my wife's going there in a week to visit my father-in-law, but uh, no Midwest, now. Is that where you met your wife? She went to BU. Oh, did so I she? met her in Boston when I was working in the private ambulance. And she's from the Midwest, and you went, to, you went to Purdue and, yeah, from Kansas City. Kansas City, yes. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Um, do you have any questions of us? What do you, uh, any questions of us? 
Um, I guess I would say, well, how would you measure a chief's performance over five and ten years? How would you, what would the select board look to to measure the success of the fire department uh, and how I'm doing and, and feedback for that? Um, I can speak for myself and what we've done is just we want a smooth, uh, efficient department. Um, ask for what you need because if you don't ask, we won't, we won't let you have it. We, I think we have uh, some of the finest equipment around. We need to be, you need to let us know what's going on. And if there's a problem, we want to know about it. If there's a, if there's a, a personnel issue, we want to know about it. If there's an equipment issue, we want to know about it. If there's a, a hoarding issue or something like that, we don't necessarily have to know about it, but the town administrator does. So we know what's going on so we can support you and support the men and women of the Canton Fire Department. That's what, in my opinion, we have to be a team. And I, I think the team, word team is overused, but we have to work together and for one common goal. That's the citizens of this town. And as you said, we all want to be make it ALS because if you save one life, then it's worth it. Mm -hmm. worth Absolutely. It. It's worth it. Yeah, communication is the key. Communication between individuals, between departments, between different departments and depending on the town. You can't I, be an island. Yeah. Absolutely. You have to, and I, I think I've talked about that already, is the need to know your resources and use your resources. And you guys are certainly a resource to be used. We're there, we're there for you. Absolutely. You and your department, because it will be your department. We'll give you the keys and you'll, you'll drive the bus. Absolutely. All right. Ms. Lopez? I, I would answer that question um, by saying that although I don't believe as a town we collect formal um, customer satisfaction data, mm -hmm. um, I think every one of us would say that the fire department is probably among the top municipal departments insofar as its customer satisfaction results mm -hmm. um, on a sustainable basis. And so that would really be paramount to continue that. And one, not only, but one of the ways that that's been demonstrated is a very, very strong collaboration between the police and the fire. And notwithstanding the you know, continued um, change in command, um, uh, we would want that very much to continue. Morale, very morale, important. Morale I just that's, I find that, important. yeah. Absolutely, morale within the department, absolutely. And again, I know uh, Chief Rafferty well, through CASA and other collaborations that I've done with her, um, so. Yeah, we've been very fortunate with the, the, uh, the way the two departments really mesh together. Mm -hmm. And I know very from fortunate in that other well. departments, mm -hmm. uh, from what I understand, and I'm not in the field like you folks are, uh, the chief of the, uh, uh, Chief Berkowitz and now Chief uh, Rafferty, um, it's, that's, that's not really, happens a lot. Mm -hmm. I remember when the superintendent of public works came, he's part of the team too, and he said, wow, the town he came, the city he came from said, we, we, we didn't do this. Well, that's what we do in Canton. We gotta work together. If there's a problem, if someone doesn't wanna work together, then we gotta have to know about it because we're in it together. And just so you know, I can, um, we have one other candidate and I just wanna publicly say we had four candidates. All four can candidates were excellent. Unfortunately, the screening committee, we asked for two and uh, it's yourself and the, the next candidate. Uh, we're gonna to talk to, interview the next candidate and then we'll um, take it under advisement and make a decision next, 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 uh, next Tuesday, a week from tonight. Okay. Is that, if that's an, and if you're offered the job, you would take it, correct? Absolutely, 100%. Okay. I appreciate the Thank chance so. to Thank speak so. for you. Nice to see you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Good job. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, Lieutenant. Be safe. Thank you.
I'm Wendell Robery, Canton Fire. Sit down and tell us all about yourself. You said, um, you know, relax. This isn't um, brain surgery, which you do every day is, is, a lot, is a lot harder than sitting right here in front of us. So yeah. just be yourself. Tell us who you are, what, you know, what, what, yeah, what brings you here and how you got here and, um, you, you know, your family and things of that nature. And uh, just, you know, tell us. We want to get to know Wendell Robery. Tell us who you are and, and uh, welcome. Okay, thank we're you. We're friends. We're, we're here yeah. for you, okay? So just be yourself. Well, um, so I applied for the job uh, because I took a look at the job posting and I felt that um, my skills and qualities were a good match for the position. Uh, I've been on the department for 34 years, um, a supervisory role for 27, uh, lieutenant and then captain. Uh, I feel that I'm a, a good communicator and listener. Um, uh, I have knowledge and experience and as a leader, um, I feel that it is important that you lead by example. Thank you. What about you? Tell us a little bit about your background and we, we grew up in grew up in Canton, correct? I uh, grew up in Canton, Family yeah. And uh, well, from uh, I lived in uh, High Park when I was uh, five years old. I think we moved to Canton then. So I attended uh, St. John's School. I uh, went to Severian um, and then uh, I got on the fire department here uh, and then we uh, moved to Plainville where I reside now. Right. Uh, open up for questions, Mr. Larkin. Um, thank you, Captain. So, obviously, uh, with Chief leaving, it's, it's a very big hole. Uh, I fully suspect that people will be in mourning uh, October 1st, but yeah. hopefully there aren't too many call-outs. Um, what, what is your vision um, for the Canton Fire Department? Um, you, I assume, are going to try to put your mark on it. Um, so how do we keep the department... Uh, functioning that is a high level right now and I'm not talking about you know fire service calls or anything but it's, it's a very well-run department so what is your vision for maintaining that um, status but also putting kind of your stamp on it well uh, I feel the department is in great shape right now and I think uh, a lot of stuff that chief duty um, has started um, definitely will will keep going uh, the cert team uh, I know he has a um, a program for um, replacing apparatus and I know um, we just acquired a new vehicle uh, through a grant and I know that project is gonna come up soon so I, I think that's probably one of my goals uh, and also um, you know my main goal really is um, to make sure that this department strives to obtain its goal of protecting the lives and property of the citizens and visitors of Canton through the highest quality of service. And, and you do that by training. So that's another one of my goals is to keep the training going. Okay. And then just um, your first year goal, how do you see yourself getting up to speed um, in a relatively short period of time to understanding the town budgets and capital requests and stuff like that. You'd be on the other side of the negotiating table and... Uh, uh, well, I'm probably going to have to rely on the deputy, uh, work with him. Uh, it, it's all teamwork down there, basically. And I know uh, Chief Duty is going to be right here, and he's assured us that uh, whoever gets the job, he'll, he'll help. 
He's not going to have any free time for that. No. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Lisa, Ms. Lopez. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, as I said to the candidate, thank you very much for stepping up and applying. It's a uh, it's great for the town um, to be able to hire from within and have really quality candidates uh, to choose from. Um, uh, I'm, I'm interested in, in one of the things that you identified as a um, career achievement, um, and you talked about, um, oh, let me read it here, um, experienced, um, your experiences in documentation and delivery of annual employee performance evaluations. Um, demonstrating strength and assessment, communication, organization, and attention to detail. A lot of people would say that that's sort of management 101, um, doing those kinds of performance evaluations, which is really important. What about the way you do it or how you've approached it makes it a personal career achievement? Well, uh, I would say um, the way I approach it is, first of all, managers persuade people to do things that they don't want to do. But leaders inspire people to do things that they didn't know they could. So uh, I believe as a leader, uh, that's one of the qualities uh, that make a good leader. And, and can you talk a little bit more about um, your experiences in doing performance evaluations and how they've been, uh, how they've worked well for you or maybe not, and you've had to pivot and change your approach? Uh, no, I think they work well. I, I think they work well uh, if you bring somebody in and sit down and, and basically um, you want to try to set goal, goals for that person. Uh, have him come out and, and uh, see what goals that he wants to go forth with. I think that's important. Uh, you know, getting that individual to not commit but at least put it in his head you know, geez, maybe I can go for this, you know, I think that's important. You said a moment ago that part of your leadership style is to lead by example, mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to ask you not to be humble right now, because I suspect that, that you're a very humble person, um, but can you talk a little bit about how in the past you have led by example and it's made a difference to the culture of the organization? Um, I think... Uh, well, I'll start with my attendance record. I think I have a very good attendance record, and I, I try to um, show that to the guys down there uh, that that's important. Um, I show up. And, uh, you know, um, I think uh, stepping up and doing some extra stuff. Um, you know, uh, we had the project of um, uh, the new fire alarm system, and um, Basically, it's a radio system, and uh, I oversaw the installation of the equipment, but um, it was a little more involved than that. Uh, we had to um, go out and zone out all the different buildings, commercial buildings and stuff, and uh, I took that upon myself to, to, to take on that project. And, uh, I did it on duty, basically, and, and, it, and it was a lot of work. It had to be put into the computer, put into the vision, and uh, so I think uh, stepping up like that um, is, is a nice thing to show people. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mr. Connolly? I'm all set. Thank you. Just one question. What do you think the most important part of a chief's job is? Um, 
I think it's a, a, a leadership role. Um, and I think you need the qualities of a leader um, is leading by example, knowledge, experience, compassion, empathy, um, dealing with personnel. Uh, I think I think that's all important. How long have you been on the job now? Twenty something years. Uh, Thirty-four. Thirty-four. So how many years do you have left? Uh, I could go another four, a uh, little under four years. So what are your long-term plans for, for camp as, as a chief? What it, what is, that was a question that was asked to one of you. Do you plan on staying after four years? Or you, <coughs> well, you, at 65, you, you have, have to, to, you have to retire. Get, mm -hmm. Stupid me, you're right, I forgot about that. Um, Wendell, what are you? Um, what do you? What are some of the issues that, uh, like personnel, eighty percent? They say twenty percent of the eighty percent of the problem personnel. Personnel, are you uh, willing? You know, there are going to be issues that come up and work with them and um, work with um, you know things that come up and um, what do you, what are your um, what are you good at and what do you need help at? Because uh, uh, a lot of it's going to be it's, a lot of it. You have what forty two, forty four folks down there. Yeah, and, right. Uh, as far as what. Uh, how would you handle like um, situations and things of that nature? It's very important. Um, uh, uh, basically, you're not afraid of it. No, you, no. I, that's I what I meant. That's be to, be, one -on -one. to be blunt. You're not afraid to jump in with both feet, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. You'd yeah. grab somebody aside and say, "Listen, what you did on that scene." Oh that, yeah, yeah. No, you bring somebody aside. Uh, people who yeah. are uh, banging in uh, constantly and things mm -hmm. of that nature. I'd say, you know, yeah. "We have to have a little father-son talk here." Yeah, right. You bring him into the office. Close the door and say, not, okay. "Not in front of people." No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to embarrass anybody, but exactly. it doesn't improve. I'll improve it. Correct? Something of that nature. Oh yes, yes. So you, you. That's not. That's something that you would, you would have to do. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And what are some other issues that you might need? Um, might have to improve upon. Everyone's good at some things, and like someone like myself, need a lot of improvement in a lot of things. So uh, I, I would say um, probably I could do a better job delegating. Uh, sometimes if I take on too many projects, I get bogged down, and I think uh, I could probably be better at delegating things. Okay. Any other questions? So, do you have any questions of us? Uh, no, nah, I think I'm all set. I, I know you're going to have to make a decision by October 1st. Are we planning on, you know, we interviewed uh, Jamie and yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I said earlier, there are four fine candidates. Unfortunately, you, you, you and Jamie were the two finalists. Yep. And we're going to digest this and hopefully we'll have a decision next Tuesday. Okay. I think that's what the board wants. Is that correct? Is that correct? Finally. Yes, absolutely. Oh. Fine. If you have any, you know, any questions, let us know. Or, um, you know, Chief Duem, she worked Chief Duty or Mr. Aspenwall. Um, but we look forward to it. And uh, if offered the job, would you take it? Sure. You sure. would? Yes. Okay, yeah. providing we can work on salary, of course. Yep. So, mm -hmm. okay. Okay. Great. Okay, great. Nice thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mr. Aspinwall and Mr. Theodore. So I was talking about the uh, next on the agenda was the um, mattress recycling program discussion. Josh, you're up. Better late than never. I think you were the first one here, right? Huh. That'd be correct. <laughs> this is uh, this is Josh's maiden voyage and presentation, so mm -hmm. better not mess it up. Congratulations and welcome. Yeah, no, not. only kidding you. All right. Uh, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> Josh Giddings. I'm one of the engineers down in the public works department, um, and we've been addressed with the issue 
of mattress recycling and there is a um, effective ban on mattress disposing as of November 1st of this year uh, wow. by the Mass DEP. Um, we have a couple of options I'd like to present to you guys. Um, and this ban pretty much will go in effect regard, um, in replacing the existing uh, model that's occurring. That you just call Republic and they come and get them, correct? Correct, yeah. Or bring and, them down to the and, landfill, and, I believe. Yeah, we, we believe they do not recycle them, but they come and they'll pick them up um, sure. for free. Thank you, Carter, sir. So um, how it might be funded, uh, I just want to put this in here. We do have a grant uh, for $10,000 um, that is for a more robust recycling program. So we'll need a container on site. Um, and I'll go through the options with that. Um, but there's uh, stipulations to get a one-time $10,000 grant to help us um, with, this per with this cause. Um, however, when we start this recycling program, um, we've been enrolled in RDP funds through the Mass DEP, which is pretty much a credit-based system. So the more recycling points that you can earn, or recycling dividend program, um, the more money you'll be granted. Um, so pretty much there's three approaches that we can, that we can discuss. Um, there's a curbside pickup, which right now is currently what Re Republic is doing at no charge. Um, the residents would essentially call and schedule the curbside um, either with the town and we'd schedule it with the vendor or the resident would call the vendor. Different vendors have different approaches. Um, the public works approach would be pretty much we would act as the hauler um, and we as the public works department would pick up mattresses um, from people's homes like the curbside. Um, and we would bring them to the on-site location that we would have and once a month or whenever the capacity is reached, we would have the vendor physically remove the container and that's how we'd, they'd recycle the mattresses. Do we know who the vendors that the vendor is? That the we, I'll go over that okay, in the next sorry. few slides, yeah. Um, so, and then the third option is the drop-off facility. Um, and we would have that in conjunction with the public works pickup. Um, the drop-off facility would be something that would be open to the residents at a on-site location within the town, um, something like a Pine Street, the Pine Street landfill location, or uh, the public works garage, or possibly um, another location if need be. Um, this is where the residents would come and drop off the mattresses themselves, um, and it would it would most likely be manned by public works attendants because the guidelines on recycling the mattresses are very strict. They have to be contained um, and it would be much easier for um, a smooth operation <laughs> rather than relying on residents to load the mattresses themselves and, and it just gets messy down there once in a while um, and we don't want to contaminate the mattresses if they're left along the side of the containers. So. Um, so this is the first vendor that we have, Public Services. They're currently the trash and um, recycling haulers. So they'll do their pickup option, their curbside pickup for 150 each unit. A unit is considered a mattress or a box spring. So if you uh, were able to get a new mattress and box spring set, you'd have to dispose of that for $300. Um, the public works option with them 
is to pick up a container for $1,000, and the container is roughly 30 cubic yards, um, which we've calculated to be about 40 mattresses or so, and that comes out to roughly $25 a mattress, or a unit, I should say. Um, and that fee includes the hauling and disposal. So either we would set it up down at an on-site location, and either the residents would come and, and discard the mattresses, or we would go as the Public Works Department and pick them up and put them within that container. We'd then call Republic Services once the capacity is reached, and they would haul it away for us. Um, green mattress is another one. Uh, same thing, curbside would be 55 a unit. Um, their pickup process is a little more stringent. They must have 50 mattresses in order to make the pickup in Canton, uh, and they will pick up no more than 60. So their, their window is very narrow as to when they will come and do the curbside pickup. Um, and they will coordinate with the town. For that reason, they'll coordinate with the town once we, the town, have enough um, people in queue for picking up mattresses, we would call the vendor and they would come and do a collection either one day or two days in town. Um, the public works option would be $55 a unit, and that's again mattress and box spring, and they would give us a container that holds roughly 65 um, mattresses. Oh, it's 110 for both of them, correct? 55. In that case, yes. Just make sure. In that case, yeah. yes. Uh, and then green team, they're a little more expensive at $75 a unit for the curbside pickup. However, their curbside's a little more flexible towards the um, resident. So it would, uh, it would run along the same lines as a bulk item pickup where you'd schedule um, a mattress pickup as a resident and they would come when they have enough in town, but they try to do it bi-weekly. Um, so it's not a hard limit of the 60 or, or what. Um, and then the public work option with them or the residential drop-off is $35 a, or $30 a unit, sorry. And that'd be the same container, roughly 65 mattresses. Um, they have an initial setup of 400, but a monthly rental of 325 on top of that $30 a unit. And then when they get rid of them, would they, that would be the final charge of 325 or would there be a weight charge after no, that? No, it would be, it would be a, um, it would be a per unit cost plus the 325. So if you only have 10 mattresses over the span of six months, you're, you're still paying you're, the 325. You're, you're paying the 325 and the 400 and then only 300 if you have the 10, 10 units there. So this is the cost breakdown which I, in detail, which I've provided for you guys. Um, and the options there um, are including what it would cost um, for a two-man or a two-person hour once-a-week pickup um, with, the, with the public works uh, personnel and a truck rental for that week or for that day, um, as well as a residential drop-off with two um, public works personnel stationed at a location. We, we chose Saturday as the best time for residents to come and drop off the mattresses just for the convenience of the resident. Um, I don't like banking hours, and I know no one likes banking hours, so we chose Saturday as an all-day. Um, I know it's a little more expensive at a time and a half, but um, I think the residents will get a better experience out of that. Um, the bottom yearly cost at the very, very bottom is just a hybrid if you were to look at doing both a um, 
pick curbside pickup as well as a um, container drop-off. Drop now, if I have a mattress and um, um, you say that there's some uh, the green team or one of them said that it can't be contaminated, what's contamination? Like, that if I have a mattress and it's not going to be picked up for two weeks, I'm going to put it outside. Does that become contaminated? Yeah, so a contamination is any... Um, you can't, you got to leave it in your debris. house to get the new mattress. Yeah, so any like dirt and debris, um, mostly it's the wet mattresses that are a problem because they become ex we're gonna, we're exponentially gonna... heavy um, and you cannot recycle materials after the fact. Um, I know some vendors are issuing, I don't know if they're issuing bags with the vendor name on them, but it would be something along those lines where the residents would have to bag the mattress and then put it outside. What happens if people can't do that? Have they thought, anyone thought of that? I mean, this has come from the DEP? Yes. And they, they're just springing on us, has to be done by, by November 1st? Correct, yeah. Now, if I buy mine from Bernie and Phil, is the Bernie and Phil still gonna take my mattress away? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I it would recommend cost that. now, I imagine. Cause I would recommend that to the residents, yes. They buy um, one and get rid of the old one, because yeah, I, I mean, just envisioned the beginning mattresses dumped everywhere all over town, I, like we used to have in the old days. We still have that. Yeah, we do. A number of phone calls on that. And then we're stuck with them. Right. So, uh, Ms. Lopez? Through the chair. Um, just a matter of uh, education for me and me, perhaps the public. So, I sleep on my mattress every night. If I were to get a new one, uh, what has happened to that mattress to make it, um, I guess, I don't know, toxic or, or uh, hazardous waste or a problem? Why? Um, What's the public interest reason or the environmental well, reason for this new regulation? So I believe in normal, regular bylaws, you cannot resell a mattress. Um, I believe that's what's written on the tag is you're not supposed to rip it off if you are a mattress um, distributor. Um, so I would believe that they could not be resold and at that point they'd have to be landfilled. Now they're trying to recycle the materials as best they can um, since they are mostly made of different polyesters they could probably be recycled um, and then washed bleached i don't know what they would be using the recycled material for but they cannot be resold okay so this is a this is about keeping this uh, is about mattresses keeping, out of the landfill correct yes i get it okay yep. I, I hadn't been aware of that um do, does um the dpw have a recommended um proposal here among the what you've presented to us for myself I'm not sure that there's a material difference in the costs. I would want to err on the fa on the side of making it convenient for homeowners since it's going to be inconvenient. Yes, <laughs> to be we would with. have to discuss a uh, recommendation whether um, convenience for the homeowners top priority, convenience for public works would be a close, very close second, but um, the convenience for the resident would be the most utmost priority. Um, where public services and green team are have their um, their pros and cons, but those two um, do offer the flexibility that the town would probably look for. Waiting for you know fifty five mattresses to be available to be picked is, up, I think that's a non-starter. Is I agree for me. Yeah. You know. yeah, that's yeah. If people are going to throw them outside, let's be honest. It, 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 is anyone doing any uh, any education? Is the DEP going to? Uh, analysis. I mean, uh, or anything of that. And Christine, and would you know any of that questions, Christine Smith? From, go ahead. Thank you. We are too. <laughs> I realized that this was on the agenda. So, um, 
First of all, I just want to um, thank Josh for taking the initiative to get the grant. Um, it's something that um, you know the committee has had its eye on, but as a volunteer committee, you know it, it, we, we can't really do it. So, and he's absolutely right that by doing this, we'll get more RDP funds in the future. So, um, but it's something that other towns have done prior to it being required. So this this isn't anything new. It's something um, I I think I was aware that this bylaw was coming or this um, regulation from DEP was coming, I, I thought it had already gone into effect, actually. I, I knew like a year or so it was, it was coming. So it's not all that new that it's coming. But in any event, the Sustainability Committee, you know, we'd be willing to help advertise it. it you know, we have a small budget if we needed to take out an ad or do something like this. Um, spread the word on social media, we'd, we'd help support the DPW in any way we could. Thank you, and I think yeah, education is going to have to educate the folks because um, it's it's not new. It knew it was coming, but it's new to Canton, and you know people are going to say, "I can't lug a mattress up from down." I have a from, question from upstairs. I'm sorry, a quick question: Where do they take these mattresses? Um, so Republic has a facility in Milford, I believe, and then and then where do they go from Milford? I, I at that point, I I haven't done any more research on that. I've only done the research on the on the contracts with the haulers. I'm not exactly sure where they go, but I think they get um, the materials get recycled, much like um, the, the much like the textiles. We have a textile bin where they recycle textiles. <laughs> they get made into other materials like rug padding and seat cushion stuffing. I'm not exactly sure where. No, the, the reason I'm asking is this something we could do on our own instead of uh, if no. we if we uh, no like like you mean to uh, if they're just picking them up in Canton and dropping them off in Randolph, why couldn't we? take a dumpster and, 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 and save all these fees and drop them off himself. I, I'm just, I'm curious as to what the, the well, process so these is. these fees here, if you look at the yearly cost for the town, that's how much it would cost for us to administer the program with man hours, um, with, with two uh, public works employees right. working around the clock, or yeah, yeah. working one day a week. Yeah, we don't have the personnel. Um, and, and stuff like that. In my opinion. So the above cost would be the cost per the mattress. And, and I have that under cost for the resident. That would be the unit cost for the mattress <coughs> itself. No, and I would agree that I think that uh, everything, a lot of things are dumped on the DPW. Oh, they can do that. They can do that. They can do that. Uh, they can't do it. They've got their own jobs to do, and they're, they're probably, uh, um, you know, it has to be done. I would, I, and we're not going to vote on this tonight. Um, I would take it under advisement, but I would say that we have to go with an outside vendor, and the cost is going to have to be passed on. There's no, 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 unfortunately, and people aren't going to want to hear that. And because we can't, we can't load it up on the DPW because that's not fair, in my opinion. Yes, Christine. Uh, you know, I would just say I would agree that every other municipality charges for for mattress. And people aren't going to be happy, and we know that. But it is what it is. Don't you think that would encourage people to just throw them on the throw them in the car, back of their truck and dump them five miles down the road? You know, that's it's just that. You know, I, I would hope that most people, well, you know, wouldn't do that, that they have, well, you know, the decency um, not to. There's, you know. No, I hope I mean, not. You, you could say the th same thing about any any trash, right? It, it doesn't fit in the current bin that they have, and so they're just going to toss it somewhere. I don't, you know, I, I think you can't help but, but charge for it. I think you have to I also think it's important for people to realize where their stuff goes, that, um that there's an impact, there's an environmental impact with just getting rid of things. And I think, you know, a mattress you have to replace every so often. But I, I just think it's another thing for people to think about 
it, it just doesn't go away. No. It goes into the ground, and we can't keep doing that. So, and I imagine and, the, and by paying this fee, I, I think it helps connect that. And, and how are we? I just want to learn more how we how are we going to charge the homeowner? Is it uh, when you pick it up and you don't have a check, we're not going to pick it up, or do we bill them, or what do we do? And then we have uncollectibles. I mean, and we look at the um, that's another issue. And, and people, say, I'm not going to pay for it. You know, that's that's a concern. And then you have people who can't afford it. Maybe you know some elderly or fixed income people. Or you know, there's a lot of uh, questions that have to be answered. And we have to, you know, it's coming. The train's coming down the track, and we have to address it. There's no question. It's coming. We have to make a decision in, uh, for the, in the best interest of the of the town. And and we don't have the money in our budget. You know, in the town's budget and the DPW budget. So, but uh, we have to make a decision. I would imagine the next meeting, uh, so we can get things moving. And all these folks are willing to start November 1st. As of right now, yes. Yeah. And I think that what Ms. Lopez said is that uh, you know, we're not going to come unless we have 55. Uh, that, that, that we're, that's not the real world. And people are going to drag it out in front and leave it there. We see it now. I see you know, up, and up and around town. Um, I dragged it out for them to pick it up. It's their, it's their responsibility now. If I'm paying, especially if people pay for it, they're not going to, they, they want, want service right away. That's human nature. Yeah. Thank you. Any, any questions for Josh? Great job, Josh. Thank you. I know the boss is away, so he, he handed you the keys and said, it's your job? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say I said it, not you. <laughs> Glad someone else sees that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Loud and clear. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Mr. Theodore. Next on the agenda is the um, Canton Copperworks Gas Main Street opening request. Mr. Rasmawal. Uh, Chairman, we've received a, um, a uh, request from uh, uh, Canton Holdings to uh, use alternative locations that the gas company wants to, to use rather than, rather than use the sleeves that were left for the gas main to go under the street. When we, when we recently paved the street. And um, it, it, at this point, there's some question about whether the route that Eversource can, has planned to take, and as shown in the map, which is, which is in the last page of the material in your packet, whether they can do that or not, because it goes right through a wetland. Uh, one option that the, it has been explained to me that the gas company does not want to take the option to use the existing sleeves because there's too many turns, too many bends in the pipe. And what I, I guess what I would ask the board to do is to charge Mr. Trotta and myself with working with the gas company over the next week to review the least impactful open, street opening and to develop the extent to which the road will have to be repaired, similar to what Mr. Plant, uh, Mr. Plant had to do with for revolutionary way, revolution way, excuse me. Okay. Mr. Plant, do you want to come up, sir, if you want? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Bernie Plant, Canton Holdings. Back several years ago when we rebuilt Revolution Way, there was a plan uh, to develop uh, that end of reverse, the, the housing at that end of Revere Street in two separate lots. We put a sleeve, uh, as Revere Street was uh, opened up, we put a sleeve there to accommodate the gas. And, 
In fact, they asked the gas company to extend their line uh, across the street so we wouldn't have to open it up, but they refused because at the time the project was not ready for construction. They don't advance gas lines if there's no source of revenue. Um, so the road was rebuilt, the sleeve is in there. We revised the, the location of the housing on Revere Street to where it is right now. And as you can see, it's, um, you've been supplied with that plant, that, this plant, yeah. This. Yes, I have that. Yeah, okay. So as you can see, the sleeve, uh, uh, the intention for the sleeve location there was we were gonna cross under Revere Street and then tee it off. One gas line going up toward uh, the Canton Junction train station to take care of that building and then tee it the other way to uh, take care of lot eight. The gas company's not interested in that. They would uh, actually prefer it to be under asphalt, which is understandable. So the request is, I think fairly simple, is that uh, we be granted the right to open Revere Street, about four or five feet for the uh, width of Revere Street in order to get that gas line in close Revere Street up and patch it in accordance with um, Mr. Trotter's specifications. And what's the timetable, Bernie? Uh, it'll be pretty quick because that building uh, that's under construction will be ready for occupancy in December. So they're looking for, so they're, quite, they're behind. Uh, with the gas company can do that? Um, they say they can, and if they can, it's two different things I understand. Did they give you any type of commitment? Uh, they haven't yet because this hasn't been decided upon, but I think they'll act quickly given the, I mean, we still have to deal with the gas company. The first step is to is secure approval to open the road up, and then, now we can go to the gas company and say, this is, this is where we want it. What's other, what other options do we have? None really, correct? Unless you have electricity. We don't want electricity. Right, the building is set up for gas. For gas. So right. This is it. And the road will be put back, and the, as is condition, be ultra, ultra, yes, ultra, not ultrasound, ultra, ultraviolet, or whatever it's called. Right. Yeah. You know, because the gas company is not too. Um, no. Not too. Um, um, no, we had to correct their issue on Revolution Way, so uh, we'll thank, do it here as well. Yeah, and that that concerns me because they'll walk away, and then we'll have a uh, road that's uh, that's right. not not in good shape. Right. Right. Okay. No, we'll take care of it. Okay. Ms. Lopez? Um, given the time of year, is there any time by which um, this has to be done before it gets November closed? 1st. I think it's November 1st. Okay, uh, ideally, uh, Thanksgiving would be kind of an outside date. We have a town bylaw, too. I think it's November 1st. Ah. I'm pretty sure it's November 1st. So we, we pressed I could be wrong, but I'm pretty Yes. Right. So we have to make a decision tonight. <laughs> yeah, that would be preferable. I mean, there's a gas line on that side. It's, it's unfortunate the gas line is on the opposite side of the street. Of course. But, right. We can move the building? Well, they suggest, <laughs> they, they, they suggest some crazy stuff here, but uh, I think we'll... we'll You've got to go right across the street to, to get it, to do it, right? Correct. Right about where um, interstate... Uh, yes, right there, at the, right, right past the bridge. Yes. Any other questions from Mr. Plant? Mr. Aspinwall? No questions. Uh, Mr. Theodore? 
I move that the board grant the town administrator and the superintendent of public works the authority to work with Eversource Gas and to choose the least impactful street opening on Revere Street for gas services to lots 8A, 9, 9A of the Canton Copperworks project with the final paving to be satisfactory to the superintendent. Second. Motion made to say any further discussion. <clears throat> so this will be, if we grant this, which we, which we probably will, then this will take care of, it will go off into, into, into the yep. property. Correct. We won't, have to, we won't have to open up the road again. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Any other questions, comments, or concerns? Hearing none, all those in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? 5-0. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Let us know if there's a problem with them. If, 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 you know, so we can maybe make some calls on, the, on your behalf. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't want this to go uh, really not past uh, November 1st. So what happens if it does go beyond November 1st? It just shuts down for the year then? Uh, it's supposed to, unless there's an emergency. The only thing you can, that um, uh, the gas company can do, can pretty much, in a state of emergency, they can open it up any time. This isn't, this isn't considered an emergency. If there's a gas link, they could come in January 1st and do it. Right. Okay. But this is, um, and we, it, that building's going to be ready December. We want to get it online. We need that money. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next on the agenda is a vote to approve uh, local action unit changes for the Canton Copperworks. Mr. Rasmussen. Uh, Mr. Chairman, previously the, uh, the developer Thorndike had made an LAU application for the Copperworks project where five units were left for sale. However, due to an agreement between the town and the developer, one of those units is going to come to the town, taking the, that one unit off our SHI. And these numbers have been revised accordingly. And I'd ask the board for the approval to sign this document. Any questions or comments? So this is going to take our unit. We're going to sell it back to them. I mean, they, they, they're going to then we get a second unit, two bedroom unit. Correct? Is that what this is? Well, we're not selling it back to. No, no, they're going to sell it. We're not. We're not going to take it, but we're going to get a two two bedroom and sell it. We're going to get a two bedroom. Yes. And then we're going to the town will sell it at market rates and put that to and, upgrade and to, ones that are coming off record to use yep. to preserve our 10% affordable SHI status. Correct. Yeah. Now that's up to us. That's not in the documents. No, but I just want to make sure that's we talk about that's apples, what we're talking about. Apples to apples. Yeah. Yep. Is there a motion, Mr. Theodore? Move that the board approve the local action unit changes for the Canton Copperworks. Second. Motion has been made and second. Any further discussion, comments, or questions? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, 5-0. Next on the agenda is the discussion for the CCPC committee. Yes, um, Ms. Lopez, did, um, uh, as our representative, we this was brought up last week and we had some concerns and I know every member of this board has got some calls from residents about uh, an August 15th meeting that the CPC had about um, not going ahead with um, funding of uh, uh, CPC articles for this town meeting it just we we know not we know really nothing about it if you could update us and what's the reason and what's going on and um the rationale if you could sure and i'd like to put it in the context of the purpose of the agenda item i think a week ago that i missed and that was to hire finally um a cpa administrator as staff support for the committee um i think this select board is aware that the committee has had no staff support for many months now. Um, plan A was um, when the committee learned that the um, long-term, very highly regarded um, CPA administrator 
um, had been offered a job, same job in a neighboring community at about a 30% higher salary. Plan A was to get her to stay by being able to renegotiate her compensation. Um, that was not successful, and so Plan B was to um, try to renegotiate um, uh, a job description that reflected the current market rates and the current responsibilities of this position versus the job description that had been created in 2013. Um, that ended in a three to two vote at this board at the end of March. Um, Plan C was um, after consultation with the state coalition, CPA, as to how best to attract a qualified candidate, the suggestion was perhaps to combine this part-time position with the part-time housing coordinator position that the housing trust uh, was pursuing uh, at town meeting. Um, the housing trustees considered that to be a very worthwhile um, uh, strategy. And so we waited, wanting to make sure that the town meeting um, would approve that part-time position. Um, it did. Um, the housing trustees met, uh, some of us are both trustees, housing trustees, as well as CCPC members, brought it to the CCPC, and uh, the consensus was that the better approach would be not to wait to try to find someone who could fulfill both the housing coordinator and the CP administrator, but to try to find somebody who actually fit the job specs. Um, the, uh, I don't know whether, yeah, Ms. Middleton is here, and she was uh, instrumental in posting the position um, for the job specs that had been approved by the select board. Um, and unfortunately, there were no candidates who met the job specs, and the search committee uh, decided to interview candidates who were nevertheless ones we thought who had transferable skills. Um, and we went to, um, we interviewed them, we made a recommendation, unanimously agreed by the search committee, went to the, to the uh, committee and said, um, even though this will not be a subject matter expert in CPA um, and does not have some of the, um, uh, I'm going to say accounting related kinds of experiences that we thought would be important, we nevertheless think that um, this is a candidate who is essentially teachable. I don't want to disparage what that means, but we thought she had transferable skills. That was in the beginning of August, um, and the uh, decision was made at a CPC meeting in um, mid-August um, that given the time that had elapsed with no administrative support whatsoever, no program management support, we simply could not act prudently in the best interests of the town um, to sort of hurry up and try to manage a, a grant round. And indeed, sitting here today, we still don't have um, the staff support. And in the ordinary course of the calendar, pre-apps would be, I mean, the communication with um, with the community would be sometime during the summer. Pre-apps would be due the first week of October. The first week of October is in a couple of weeks. And I'm hoping that this committee will 
consider actually making the formal appointment today, but we are starting from scratch. We're sort of back, we had a subject matter expert who was regarded by the state coalition director as one of the best in the state. She had institutional knowledge. Um, she had subject matter expertise. She sort of ran the program. We are now starting from scratch and we have a whole lot of catch up to do. Um, just in terms of, um, you mentioned that the committee hadn't, um, this board hadn't heard about it. Just to be utterly transparent, our meeting was, I believe, on the 15th. The next day I left the country uh, to go to a wedding. One member of the committee volunteered to contact um, and just reach out to the select board, just as a courtesy, heads up, because, you know, it's not, not that the select board can influence or makes the decision, but it's a courtesy. And another member of the committee volunteered to reach out to Mr. Scollins, which I believe he did, um, in the interim, while I was out of the country, as you know, my father passed away, and so I missed the October or the August 30th um, uh, select board meeting, and I regret, for a lot of reasons, <laughs> um, what happened, but also because it resulted in uh, continuing to sort of not be able to fill a position. You may ask, well, what is the person going to do um, that hopefully will be hired very soon. Um, number one objective is absolutely to learn CPA law regulations. I mean, it's a statute that is technical and requires some expertise and training, um, as well as the Canton um, bylaw policies and procedures. Number two, we have about 25 open projects from years past, some dating from four years ago, um, each of which have to be examined to determine their status. Are they likely to close? Are they not? Are, is money coming back? You know, as an example, you know, the pickleball courts, you know, money is going to come back. Some projects um, were delayed because of COVID and supply chain management issues, and so there may need to be more money associated with any of those projects. Each one of those couple of dozen projects need to be evaluated separately to understand how much money is coming back. Um, and then this person has got to really get up to speed in CPA project accounting, as well as the municipal finance accounting, different systems, um, because we're talking about, um, you know, to date we have awarded over seven and a half million dollars in project funding, including the Revere uh, property that was bonded. So there are millions of dollars that need to be accounted for very, very carefully to be sure that when we go to town meeting next spring, and we will be obliged to do that, we have the precise numbers that say, this is the amount coming in, this is the percentage that has to be allocated to each one of the category buckets, and this is the amount ultimately that will be available for um, future spending recommendations to be approved by town meeting. And then the other big nut to crack is we are statutorily obliged to have a community preservation plan based on community input. Uh, last year, we devoted an enormous amount of time to community engagement with forums, um, interviews, focus groups, and the data from 1,000 surveys across the community, none of that has been integrated 
into the community preservation plan that has got to be created, finalized, vetted, approved by the committee, and then presented to the town, ultimately as guidance for future um, project sponsors, um, because we always these days tend to get more project applications than is available money, and so this gives some guidance to the community wants to see the money spent in these directions. So that is a very, very long-winded answer to the question of where we are. Um, there um, was considerable debate um, um, at the committee level about this decision. Um, I can tell you that over the last 10 years, there have been five committee chairs who have a deep understanding of the heavy lift required to manage this program. And each of the past five committee chairs was united in the, in the agreement that given the fact that we still have no um, municipal um, staff, that it would be reckless and imprudent to do anything other than pause and catch up and, um, and make sure that we really understand where the projects are, we really understand how much money we've got coming in, and ultimately um, is available to recommend to town meeting for spending. Um, but we, we gotta get going um, on, on this process of getting a person, she may not be ideal uh, in terms of experiences. Um, the CPA has been around in Massachusetts for over 20 years, more than half cities and towns uh, in the Commonwealth you know, have adopted CPA, so we were hoping that there would be candidates that actually had this experience Unfortunately, none presented themselves. Um, so we are where we are. And uh, the committee, you know, takes very, very seriously um, its responsibilities. I am um, delighted to say that, um, you know, 10 years ago, some of us may remember that it was not a slam dunk that this community was going to um, approve CPA. It took three tries. Um, and there were a lot of naysayers, particularly um, among leadership. And 10 years later, um, I think CPA uh, is widely embraced as a tremendous asset. There's probably been about 60 projects, as I said, over $7.5 million spent for the community. Um, and all of the continued um, monies that come in will be set aside, protected, and available for projects, which I hate to say it, but as a consequence of COVID and supply chain management issues, um, got a whole lot more expensive in the last you know, 18 months or so. So um, we're gonna be in a very good position um, this time next year. So I know that the candidates uh, application and resume were included in the materials for tonight. And I'm hoping that this is enough of an explanation and context to give you comfort to go ahead and make that formal appointment. Thank you. So, Mr. Larkin. Mr. Chairman, so mm. um, a few points. I, I watched the um, August 15th meeting and it was mentioned and confirmed uh, a couple of times that the idea of not taking applications for this coming year had been discussed as early as June. Uh, and although I didn't watch the June meeting, uh, I haven't had time to uh, confirm that. 
Nobody in the August 15th meeting disputed that and said, though, that's not true. So uh, it sounds like that this is being discussed among the Community Preservation Committee uh, earlier than just August. Um, I asked that we put this particular um, item on hold at the last meeting because you weren't here, uh, and I wanted to hear uh, your opinion on why are we hiring somebody if they're not capable to take these applications and and run with them. So I know you said that you know this person is coming in cold and they don't have the experience, but there are many members of the Community Preservation Committee that have been there since the beginning and they can help get this person up. And I understand there were other committee members who would say, you know, let's take the applications and I'll help to onboard this person. Uh, you bring up COVID and supply chain. I wholeheartedly agree with you. We have youth organizations, uh, departments in this town, the schools that rely on this community preservation fund to help get projects done that aren't currently in their budget cycle. And some of it might be because, hey, this project that we were doing in another um, you know, budget issue, uh, the cost of it has gone up. I mean, we had to uh, allocate funds for the um, at Memorial Field, the, um, the bleachers. So I think that this is absolutely important that we take applications this coming year. Um, and if this isn't the right candidate, um, then, then why are we approving her? And if you think she can be the right candidate, then take the applications and let's onboard her. Uh, and at the very least, if, if we get to uh, this point where like, we're not gonna be able to do this, um, then hold off on recommending those applications. But there is still plenty of time. I mean, I know it doesn't meet the, the calendar of previous years, but uh, the warrant is like March 8th, it's six months. Um, advertise, take the applications, um, and get this person up to speed. May I respond? Sure. Yeah, um, with respect, um, the, the work to be done is not work that can be easily distributed among nine volunteer committee members, all with very busy personal and professional lives. Or, or, or no, none of the nine have stepped up and said, I'll volunteer my time to essentially do this work. Um, think about if um, the Conservation Commission all of a sudden had no conservation agent, or the Health Department had no um, health agent. Um, there would be a recognition that certain things have to stop. Um, uh, has it been previously discussed as a possibility at the committee level? Sure. And we had hoped that notwithstanding the inability to offer a compensation that we felt was market, we might get a candidate who actually came with the subject matter expertise. We did not. It's a very tough hiring environment. I'm sorry, friend, wasn't there another candidate that was involved with the CPC in another town? Um, she had actually been on the committee, but she didn't have the kind of, um, she didn't have other experiences or skills. Um, I mean, I don't want to 
get too much into the uh, particular candidates, that um, suggested to any of the search committee members that it would make sense to give her this position, and she had a full-time position that she wasn't aware, uh, uh, willing to walk away from, um, which was also sort of a deal breaker. I, I, um, I mean, this is, this is a position who is the gatekeeper for very fundamental work that, again, no, no one of the nine-person volunteers has been willing to step up and say, well, I'll, I'll do it, I'll take it on. And it is respectfully the province of the Community Preservation Committee, which is an independent body by statute, by town bylaw, that is charged with making the decision based on its information and experience. Um, I suppose, you know, other boards and committees or members of the public can second guess that decision, but it was a decision taken very thoughtfully in good faith with full recognition that it was the best under difficult circumstances. And let me assure you, there's a lot of work to be done in just dealing with the 25 or so outstanding projects by some of these same project sponsors some of which we believe hasn't even begun. So, uh, you know, I, we're gonna, we, the town, um, as well as the committee, as well as the past project sponsors, will have their hands full um, in, in putting this time to very, very good use. So, um, and, and just one further thought, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. If, if the board chooses not to approve the candidate, all that does is further delay the work that needs to be done without any prospect that there is a near-term candidate in the wings that's gonna come in and, and rescue um, you know, the situation because they really understand and can just seamlessly you know, take over program management. I, I wish I could say that that person exists, but we haven't been able to recruit them. I, I, you know, the, the HR director may have some perspective on this, um, but she's been diligently trying. So um, I, I was one of the negating votes for changing the job description um, <laughs> for the existing administrator. And the reason was, um, you know, that process went on quite a bit, and Mr. Aspinwall and our HR director, Ms. Middleton, uh, spent probably more time researching that particular job description and whether or not it met the criteria than many other job descriptions. There are plenty of towns um, that have accepted community preservation that manage the entire program without an administrative support person. So I feel that there is uh, plenty of expertise on that board. Um, I have heard that there are members who were willing to help onboard this person. I think it's a mistake to not take uh, applications. Uh, I agree with you that if we don't approve this person, this further delays it. Um, but I, I think that the community preservation is not even trying. Take the applications and see if this person can do it. When the Community preservation was accepted in Canton 10 years ago. We were all new at this. 
and the previous support person came in cold and figured it out and was a superstar, absolutely. But this new person could also be a superstar. So why are we not taking applications? Why are we turning our back on youth organizations and town departments and open space uh, and holding on to this money that the town desperately needs um, to allocate? Again, um, you know, the committee feels strongly that it's not turning its back. <laughs> it's acting responsibly and prudently. Um, years ago, when the committee first started, there were a handful of projects um, and, um, you know, significantly less money at stake. All these years later, there are dozens and dozens of projects that need to be reviewed, evaluated, managed, and there are millions of dollars at stake. Um, we, we have a uh, comprehensive program. Um, I would challenge that there is any community that has a program similar to ours with no paid staff. I, I, I just, with respect, don't believe that that exists. Um, and there are, frankly, a um, number of communities who just decide that they're not going to have grant rounds for a certain period of time because they want to build up the bank in, in order to use the funds for a sort of a big bang uh, kind of purpose that the community really um, desires. So there are different communities that have taken different approaches. I think for a community of our size, we've accomplished incredible things. And, and we have every expectation that that will continue. It's, it's unfortunate that the gap in administrative staff happened during this period of time um, that makes it very, very difficult uh, to prepare to sort of get the word out, ask people and organizations to spend what is a significant amount of time in preparing both pre-apps and full applications and, and we just don't have the infrastructure to be able to deal with it. And if, oh, excuse me for one second, if applications do come in and you don't have the time to do them, can you um, basically not just approve any of them? You, you, you know what I'm saying? Say, we got to hold this over, we're just we're too backlogged to continue with this forward? Or? Well, I don't want to answer on behalf of the, com the committee, and I'm not even the chair of the committee. The committee chairs um, are uh, Sean Chu and um, John McSweeney. Um, so I want to be very careful about reporting what the committee has done and deliberated on and not speak for the committee. But if you're asking whether or not it is possible, theoretically possible, for applications to come in and the committee then to respond in saying, all these applications have come in, but we can't deal with them, so we'll put them on hold for a year, I would say that's theoretically possible. I'd say that that was not a great approach for this reason. A critical piece of information in every application is the budget. Years ago, we didn't know what we didn't know, and we accepted applications that were woefully deficient in budget assumptions. Um, and we have a much better appreciation of what is needed today, but if budgets are a year old or 18 months old, they are almost by definition out of date. So taking an application with budget assumptions today 
and then saying, we're just going to put it on the back shelf and we'll get around to it next year. I mean, they'd have to sort of redo their whole budget application. And since by definition, what the committee does is look at a full range of applications that are competing for usually you know, fewer dollars than are available to be spent, you know, the, the accuracy and completeness of those budget, app, uh, budget numbers is really, really important. Um, as well as the um, technical uh, eligibility um, of the use of the funds for the projects, which is part of the vetting, which is what the administrator does as gatekeeper. Sometimes a part of the project is, is eligible, other parts are not, and there's you know, conversations with legal counsel um, that go back and forth, with the CPA uh, statewide coalition that go back and forth. It is, it is a process, you know. Mr. Conley? Yeah, I have, um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to simplify this. Um, <coughs> Excuse so me. the administrative position, it's an administrative position my understanding and it would it's about 50 hours a month um, so that's it's not full-time it's not all consuming it's 50 hours a month and it's an administrative position um, your committee voted not to accept any more applications and not to make any recommendations to town meeting putting off a full year of funding for valuable projects because the committee feels this administrative position is so technically um, demanding that it requires 12 months of onboarding. So I'm a little confused by that rationale. Um, <clears throat> you did mention that the statute is technical. I have it in front of me. There's lots of shalls in there, which usually means mandatory. Um, some of us are elected, some of us are appointed. We all have our jobs to do. And the statute says yeah, you shall study the needs of the community and you shall make recommendations. So I'm just confused how your committee can ignore the statute like that. Okay, if I and, can respond. Well, go no, ahead. I'm no, sorry, no, let me finish. let you finish. So I know there's three lawyers on your committee. Did anyone, oh, four, sorry. Did anyone read the statute? I mean, shall means mandatory. You've essentially said, we're not going to do our job, we're not going to do anything for a year because this position, this administrative position is so important that we can't do, do any work for the next year or so. So I think that's where we're a little bit baffled by the committee's vote, and that's why we put off on appointing a person, because if the position is so important that you can't do your job for a year, why are we gonna hire someone, in your words, who's essentially teachable, um, but may not be ideal? So I think the reckless and imprudent thing is what your committee did in voting to not take any applications and not make any recommendations to town meeting. Well, I, I appreciate that um, statement um, is made in good faith. I categorically reject the characterization. Number one, that it's an administrative position. The title may be CPA administrator because we were not um, able to persuade this board to change the title to what we think the job warrants. But it is the combination of both management as well as administrative duties. It is not a clerical job. And I think some people conflate administrative with clerical. Could not be further from the truth. 
the hours that are um, uh, allocated to this position depend entirely on the time of the year. Um, it is a part-time position, um, but in some months of the year, historically, um, it's been um, you know 20 hours a week, you know, and in other months, um, many fewer hours. Um, yes, absolutely. I've read the statute many times, um, and um, the interpretation I believe that's a, that, that is a uh, fair legal interpretation of the statute gives um, uh, the committee not only the obligation, which we will do, the committee will satisfy the obligation of going to town meeting, making recommendations as to the allocation of the revenue, um, as well as giving a report on the community engagement process, which we're also obligated to do. Um, and has, is very much in process. Um, and so to characterize the committee as somehow abdicating its responsibility and not doing anything for a year could not be further from the truth in my view. Um, I, I thought I had been clear about what this person needs to devote her time to, which hopefully will not take a year, uh, but will take enough time so that we will miss the schedule that is critical to make um, a, a customary schedule for reviewing applications, which takes an enormous amount of hearing time and make it to town meeting. I, I mean, I, I would challenge um, any member of the board um, to actually spend time um, familiarizing uh, yourself with what the committee does. I know Mr. Theodore was on the committee for a uh, some period of time. Um, I know Mr. Lockerman was on it for a year perhaps, um, a number of years ago. I, I would welcome, <laughs> and I think the committee would welcome, um, because it might have, had there been that kind of familiarity, um, obviated the months of discussion about the nature of this job. In any event, it is what it is. It's, it's the, um, the committee has the, um, the right to make this decision. Um, a discussion was had um, that ended in a request by a committee member to actually go to town council and confirm that the committee indeed has the legal right to make the decision and that request I believe will be put to town council and asked for a, a legal opinion. Um, but what this board can do, I suppose, is to continue to not approve a position. I, I, but I, I, I'm not sure that that furthers the, furthers the community objective. <laughs> well, I know you're not mm. speaking for the committee, but is, you, is it your opinion that the CPA, your committee, can refuse to take applications? It is absolutely my opinion, my legal opinion, that the statute gives the committee absolutely the right to decide in any particular given year that it's going to take a pause on applications. I have 100% confidence in that opinion. It's also my non-legal opinion that it was the prudent, appropriate thing to do in this particular case. Not the only thing, but 
the decision making was serious and it was informed and you know the committee did what it's supposed to do it deliberated any questions um, so, <clears throat> go ahead, Mike. Mr. Chairman, um, I, I did ask uh, town council to weigh in on this. Um, I, I don't want to keep pushing this off, but um, I'd like to have the chair of the community preservation come before this board because I think they owe us an explanation as to why they were talking about this in June and it was not brought up to us at all. I certainly understand um, the August issue uh, with, with travel and um, obviously your father's passing, um, but the chair should have reached out at the very least to our chair to say this is something that's being discussed so that I wasn't getting phone calls from all the people uh, that, that support us saying what is going on with my taxpayer money. Um, the town council has weighed in on this and uh, to give you a chance and the community preservation to look at that, uh, but town council is saying in our opinion the community preservation is required to accept and consider applications for funding projects for fiscal year 2024. So um, I think that we should push this off uh, until our next meeting, um, see if we can have the chair of the community preservation um, come before us and I don't want it to feel like we're picking on Ms. Lopez here because she's by herself. <laughs> um, as a select board I would rep. never feel picked on no. by this group. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, but, but I think that there are still questions here that, that need to be answered. I, I, I certainly agree with, with Ms. Lopez that uh, her belief is uh, they're within their right to not take applications. Uh, town Council has an opinion and I think that we need to um, sort through that before we can appoint somebody that may or may not be the right fit, in my opinion says one member and uh, I just uh, I watched the meeting of August 15th and I know the former administrator left in December um, she would notify I was notified in December that she was going to know unless we made her a department head basically yes that's what the, that's true she wanted to be and asked Miss Middleton she wanted to go from $23 an hour to roughly $50 an hour and we said no we, we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth don't shake your head you know and she left and did she left in february and nothing was done the, the job description was not approved and we weren't notified it sat there and sat there and sat there and nothing was done to replace the person you tried to get people but nothing was done and then all of a sudden it's one member of your committee was telling the committee that that person represents that there's going to be this goes in the june back to june that they weren't, they weren't going to fund, you, the CPC was not going to fund it. That person told her, that, their committee that they were not going to do that. that that's, that's, that's terrible. And not let the, the, the town know, this, this board who appoints the CPC, that that, that is just mind-boggling. And, and it's very disturbing and very upsetting and, and, and discouraging that, you know, that this, the, we, we have the, the taxpayers are calling me and members of the board and saying, what's going on with, with, with the CPC money? There are projects that we want to have seen approved. And they, they're going to sit on now. All you said, the big bang for next, not this year, but next year. Is it being all transparent? Is there some project that, that the CPC is talking about to fund? I'm no. asking you. No, not, and it's not to my knowledge. I, I just want to know. I mean, because you've said, no. you know, unless we're going to hold money over and have a bigger bankroll next year. 
Is there something that we're not aware of? No. Okay, I just want to know because that's people asking me, why are they not spending the money? Why are they not spending the money? And that's, that's disturbing. Because if there is something hiding in the weeds, this board and the town and the taxpayers should know why, why the money is not being spent. And town council did weigh in and say, you have an obligation to do this. Uh, this comes as a complete and utter surprise, and I'm, I am um, uh, taken aback that a request was made to town council without giving the committee the courtesy of participating in that communication. So I'd like to see the question asked and the answer and have an opportunity to talk about that. Um, uh, no, there is, there is no hidden agenda about the spending um, that is anticipated for next year. As many people understand, this is not the committee's spending. It's not the committee's money. It is the town's and town meetings Absolutely. Um, money to spend. Um, I requested I, town, I, I, I asked the town administrator to get a hold of town council. He was in the, in the doctor's office most of the day and we finally got a response. So that's where that came from. As chairman, uh, that's my responsibility. Well, get a copy of it. I feel compelled <laughs> to correct the record here. The, the previous administrator never asked for $50 an hour. She actually asked um, for the same kind of uh, essentially 30% raise that the town of Norwood had offered her, which was not remotely close to $50 an hour or a department there, but I will, I think I've said enough to, um, to uh, shed light on how the committee went about thinking about its duties and obligations. And um, I think it's entirely appropriate if this board has questions to ask the committee, either the full committee or certainly the committee chairs to come in and address the questions. Um, Is that what the committee wants? The board wants? Uh, I, I would. Sure. I'm a little concerned, like I say, if, if we do delay this any longer, then we're putting ourselves in a position where we can't act on any of this. Well, the, the CPC already voted not to approve anything. Right. I, okay, I'm not even, well, what's the question at hand here? Is it to, put, to fill this position or is it to figure out what's going on with the applications? Both, <coughs> basically. And I would be but willing to fill the position if the would CPC would meet and rescind their, their 411 vote and not to approve any, 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 uh, any other obligations. Well, with respect, and I can't talk for the committee. Um, I, I really can't. Well, we have a couple of committee but members here. But no, it's not huh? the province. It's not the province. Of, of this board no, it's not. to tell the committee what to do. No, it's this not. This board no. can decide not to fill the position for paid staff, and the consequence will be that it continues not to be. Um, we want to fill the position, but it, what's the sense of filling the position if, if it's not going to move, if the board voted 411 not to fill that, not to go ahead with any applications? So why should, you know, it's going to take that person a year to get up and running. You know, if we had that same attitude, the same philosophy, you know, the, town, the new town administrator, should we, should we postpone that for a year? That, uh, that's, not, that's not fair. Either someone's not listening or I'm having a very difficult time communicating. It is not going to take a year. That's been said at the meeting. 
I've said that to you, and you know, you know right well that, I, that it was said several times that it's going to take this person a year to get, get on board. Uh, <laughs> I, I, again, I, I, it, that is not a correct interpretation of what was said or believed. The problem is that the period of time within which to get this person up to speed is out of sync with the calendar requirements for um, accepting, reviewing, vetting, approving, and making decisions. And we still haven't been notified. Correct. We still not have, this board has not been notified. Correct? We, we, we have not been notified. <coughs> no, not for a second, George. This board is talking. This board has not been notified officially in writing or any other ways, by the chairman or any other members of the, of the board in writing, that you're not going to go ahead. We saw the meeting on August 15th, 411, not to do it. That's the only, we have no communication at all. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, what what you, was in writing, George? Uh, Did you put anything in writing? Did you answer? Did the you call? put anything in writing? Several calls, Mr. Did you put anything in writing? No, you didn't ask for it in writing, and this board doesn't require it in writing. It would, this board serves under the statute. It would be the right thing to do to put it, it say, the right thing to do in the but writing. you didn't do it. I saw the meeting, and that's all I had to see, George. But I was on vacation with my family, and then you called the second. Can I call you back? And you mm -hmm. never called me back. You never called me a second time. All members got the calls as well. I called each and every one. Mr. Conley. You get into the microphone? The Are we going to allow this? Ruling like, out of order. I'll stop talking. Yeah. No, I just, it, it, was, it was nothing official. Uh, on the nothing was official. Of course there's nothing official. You don't get official communications from many boards in this town. Shouldn't he be at the microphone yeah, so people you, can hear what he's saying? Mr. Chairman. George, you should. Oh, I'm done, Mr. Chairman. You want to, excuse me. Yeah. Just finally, on the issue of communication, I think this board is aware that historically we have had an agenda item um, for committee reports. And each and every meeting I have reported on the status of all of the committees on which I served. Um, and, and I embrace that uh, process and uh, spirit of communication. That agenda item, beginning in June, was taken off the agenda. Um, I actually made a suggestion for another way of commuting, communicating about committee reports, and I was advised to wait. So I absolutely um, concur that we need to um, communicate fully about what the committees are doing in which we sit, not because in many cases this board has the right to second guess the decision making of a committee, in some cases it may, in some cases it may be a select board appointed committee. As, CPC this, as is this board is. It is not. It's it appointed is, by the selectmen. It is, it is not. It's it a is. statutorily created committee where the committee members um, are chosen um, and it's directed by statute by the different stakeholder groups that they represent. 
the select board does have the right to appoint two members of the nine-person committee. To, I, well. Abs absolutely. But I, I embrace the communication. And uh, I, there's not been any directive about the way that the communication needed to happen. As a courtesy, yes, I asked Mr. Camo to reach out to every member of this uh, board because I knew I was going to be absent. There was absolutely no intention or um, attempt to, to do anything more than transparent once a decision was taken, um, as evidenced by the, the reach out of the, of the committee chair to Mr. Uh, Scotland's. Um, and, and so somehow to suggest that the committee is doing anything because it has an agenda is just I, 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 I hope you don't mean that. I really do. I, <clears throat> we're all part of a team here. And Please, yes. We just had the pleasure of interviewing two great candidates for fire chief. And the terms they used were leadership, teamwork, communication, collaboration. What I'm hearing from the CCP, well, about the CCP people, Mr. Camo spoke and you, is excuses. You're not accepting any responsibility for the decisions you made. That's not leadership. And that's not doing your job. Yes. There's a, a few steps missing uh, in Ms. Lopez's recount. Uh, in the August meeting, I was the vote against the pause. I didn't feel it was right. And then minutes reflect that uh, I felt it was a disservice to the town. Uh, now it appears town council agrees with that position. Um, and this discussion sounds a lot like the committee discussions. Uh, I bring to the committee a business background, uh, and my role on the committee as an at-large member is to just try to do the business of the town. And it's been my suggestion, so many words, that if the committee just did the work instead of debating why it couldn't be done, we wouldn't be in this position we'd be fine. Now, in the August meeting, when the question was posed, who's going to step up and do the work, I said, I will be happy to lead the onboarding effort for the new hire, provided we delay the meeting till mid-September, September 19th, I believe, instead of last night, to give enough time with an ex expedited onboarding to then determine whether accepting applications could happen. It was what I consider an extremely reasonable proposal after what I believe was two hours of discussion. That part was left out of Ms. Lopez's review, and I think it's critical because minutes later, the committee voted to put a pause when it was totally unnecessary to do so in the middle of August in light of the fact that a candidate had just been surfaced. It was deemed a functional impossibility for this new candidate to do the task of collecting applications. And with six months or seven months at the time to figure things out. So the committee could just do the job we're asked to do. And I'm summarizing many hours of debate and discussion because I will again rise to the challenge that Ms. Lopez has put forth as a committee member. In light of Mr. Loughran's information, the town council has effectively 
As an attorney, I'm calling this an illegal vote. The committee has made a vote that town council said they couldn't make against strenuous objections from me and common sense of pro uh, proposals just to get the work done. I will tonight commit to undertake the oversight of the process of collecting these applications in the absence of an applicant or that position hired, because I agree with Mr. Connolly. While there are aspects of this job that have some complexity, there are some aspects that are basic, and I have asked for a chart of those to lay out over six or seven months which parts are difficult and can be done later, which parts are time sensitive and can be done now. It's my opinion this committee threw up their hands and said it's a functional impossibility because Kristen's no longer with us. And by the way, at last night's meeting, the proposal was made by me to reach out to Kristen to help through this cycle, which was embraced by Mr. Camo, and now he's calling Kristen, which means for the past four or five months, that proposal was sitting out there and never taken action on. So I happen to agree with many of the select board members in the characterization of the board's activities, and I rise both to the mic and to the occasion that you put forth to take leadership here to do the work of this board, and I will personally oversee it in the absence of an administrator, so that because an illegal vote, I believe, will be deemed invalid, so it should be negated, we can proceed to take applications and just do the work that we were asked to do. If I was running my business, or running this committee the way I run my business, I would stop asking for reasons why it can't be done and engage in reasons how it can be done. And that is what I think is missing in these discussions in the committee, and that's what I think led to this vote. So I'll rest there. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you. Yes, Ms. Lopez. Um, I want to be very um, respectful and civil. Um, but given the aspersions um, that were just cast, um, I have to feel compelled to say that if a member of the committee had been as relentless in trying to maintain the staff or attract new staff, as he is now in throwing every other committee under the bus, um, perhaps we would have been able to move forward more productively and effectively as a committee. Um, frankly, flamethrowing is not productive, effective, or appreciated. And the failure to actually make good on um, offers that are made in public statements but are not followed through is disappointing at best. That include the offer to help George with the letters that took four months to write that I never got a return phone call from that still today, four months after town meeting approved it, uh -huh. are still not sent to the applicants. Is that what you're referring to? Public statements that don't get followed up on? Ms. Lopez, the point uh -huh. is one that Mr. Connolly made. I will lead the effort because an illegal vote has been cast. Whether it was done intentionally or not is irrelevant. Whether you were 100% certain of your interpretation of 
the, the guidelines is irrelevant. <coughs> if town council has determined the vote was illegal, I would ask you as an attorney, what happens next? And if what happens next is the committee is compelled to take applications, putting aside all the colorful adjectives and characterizations you sent towards me, I'm simply back to the substance of the matter. How can we get the town's work done? And I am offering to do it. Thank you. Mr. Kamal. One, I'd love to see the opinion of town council because it will upend every CPA in this Commonwealth. As you may know, I serve on the statewide steering committee uh, appointed uh, to manage and support CPAs <coughs> across the Commonwealth. I'm very privileged to serve in that capacity. And if the town council's opinion is that we are required to go through this process and actually take applications, it will upend the entire Commonwealth and the CPA program. So I'm eager to see the legal thinking behind that. I will tell you, and you know I'm an attorney, uh, and I'm not rendering this as a municipal opinion, but I'd love to talk to town council about it, and that is we do have the requirement to report to town meeting, and we do have statutory obligations that are intended to be fulfilled, and were discussed at our meeting last night. So there's no question that's gonna happen. Um, the statute is very clear relative to this issue, and there are several communities who do not take applications from year to year for a number of reasons. I have a second opinion from the um, person in charge of the CPA statewide coalition, which I distributed last night to the committee relative to the legality of, of skipping uh, or holding off on applications. And uh, the final analysis that, that we get from our steering committee is that we do have an obligation to set aside 10% of our total revenue for the year in the three accounts and appropriate funds for the administrative position and, of course, pay the bond. That is the requirement. All things we have to do. So I really want to see this opinion that requires that we go through this process because if it's not flawed, it will change how CPA is administered through the Commonwealth. So I welcome this town council opinion. The town council's opinion um, will be of great interest um, to the governor's office and to every CPA uh, in which this sits. I ask you tonight to move forward with this position. If you want us to do our job on the CPA, will you do your job and appoint this person that's before you? Let's clear the air a little bit. So much acrimony tonight, of which I'm sure I'm a part of. And so I, I want you to forgive me for that earlier tonight. But I do want you to know the gravity of putting a person here so that we can move this work forward. I can't assure you there will be applications this year, but I can assure you that we will work in all due diligence to bring this person on, bring them up to speed, and get this person <coughs> in a place that this community can move these applications forward in a meaningful way. We have a great program. There's 25 projects out there that are still out there spinning that we have no control over and understand how much money is being spent or what the cash flow looks like so that we can prepare for the next round. 
There is no secret project. There's no, you, you've known me long enough. No, I'm a straight I, I, shooter. And I respect that. I, asked, I had to ask and, the question and, and because I want to answer my colleagues are the best bang for next year. I want to, because, I had to ask. because two years worth of funding, one of the things that was in the CPA surveys that we received back from more than a thousand of your constituents in this community, one of the things they said that they liked are the big projects. They love Paul heritage. They love the work that's gone on in the fields. They love these playgrounds. But there's just not enough money, as is exhibited through the pickleball, to finish a program. That, that was a great idea, and people still want it. People say, where can we put this court? How much more will it cost? Next year's round for funding will be incredibly meaningful for this community. I can assure you that. The size of the projects that can be funded at almost 100% will be incredibly important for this community. But there's projects right now that everybody's clamoring on that haven't even hit the dirt. And the question is that there's more. I too have received calls from people who have said it's prudent to wait given all the things that we're saying. So there are no hidden projects. There's no big thing in the wind, but I hope there is a big thing in the wind and I hope we get to fund it. So would you please tonight fill this position? Would you please consider that? Because it's just two or three more weeks of spinning our heels and creating acrimony. It'll go a long way towards healing what's happening here. I can assure you we'll all work better together if we've got a person and we can get behind that person. It's in your power tonight to begin that process. If you want to wait and bring the chairs in and keep working with town council and figuring out who did what, when and where, that's fine too. But I'm just asking if you'll do your part and we'll go back and figure out how to do ours. Thank you. Positions, but once again, I disagree. The Paul Revere Heritage was a large project. If large projects are sought in the town, they can be bonded the way the Paul Revere Heritage Project was bonded. And for those watching who don't know, effectively, 10 years of funds were borrowed against to fund that project. The second largest project after Paul Revere was the Little Red Barn. That was just around a million dollars. That was able to be funded over a period of years, consecutive four or $450,000 grants. So the CPA is able to do large projects without having to hoard the cash. And I'm personally disappointed that Mr. Camo has characterized the back and forth of a legal opinion from town council and trivialized it when this was the very subject matter and a motion that was approved at last night's meeting to seek out the answer for. I think the problem is a lot of the problem the committee has. They don't like the answers they're getting. Town council has spoken. Our elected representative has conveyed that. This was debated last night and decided, unbeknownst to me, that this was coming up today because I had independently read the language and raised the identical issue of legality of the vote. And just to correct the record, there are four attorneys on the board. So over the months that this was being discussed, the legality was never really questioned or debated until the very end 
after the vote not to fund was taken. I think the board is not functioning well. So I once again rise to offer assistance with what's needed if, in fact, applications are to be taken and the process is moved forward to continue to assist how I can to do the town's work and put aside the reasons that we can't. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a little confused here right now. So uh, 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 are you against trying, um, hiring this assistant or are you willing to work alongside her? Is that what you're saying? It's a fair question. Um, and what I'll say is that the August meeting, when the search committee brought forth the candidate, we were asked to vote. And I voted in the affirmative to advance the candidate under the very specific understanding that because in mid-August we had a candidate, projects would move ahead. Shortly after that, a vote was taken to pause for a year, which I voted against, I repeat for emphasis, because I consider it totally unnecessary. So why did I vote a candidate through that didn't have the qualifications? Because I also offered to accelerate an onboarding under the understanding that the Board, the committee would do its job. If the committee is not going to do its job and take applications, or if the committee is going to do its job and take applications, what was decided last night is the most important milestone date when anything is due is March 8th. So the question for any applicant, first of all, is first, if the committee is not going to take applications, I would propose that a candidate be sought that has better qualifications and is more appropriate. And by the way, when you're seeking candidates in July and August, whether you're in a business or in community, people are on vacation, people aren't responding. So it's likely to be a very different response if that was reposted today for somebody with the qualifications that we're seeking. If the pause is going to hold and there will be no applications, that would be my position. Because I just asked a simple question that the board's already asked. Why put somebody in place that doesn't have the qualifications if the work that has to be done isn't going to be done? Yeah, some parts of it will be done. But does that require a decision on somebody who isn't qualified? I don't think so. If applications are going to be taken and projects will be funded and the board determines this applicant is not fit, with or without the applicant, I'm happy to offer assistance with whatever needs to be done. So I leave it to the board to determine whether this applicant is appropriate for the task at hand when there's been so much discussion about the applicant not having the requisite job skills. I would propose that if projects are not being funded, you go find somebody because there's plenty of time. And if projects are being funded, and the main issue is there's nobody there to administer it, I'm willing to help, and I'm willing to work with this person and onboard them if the board sees fit to approve it. Because I don't want to stay in, stand in the way of somebody being appointed. I'm just trying to figure out whether the town's work can get done with this applicant. And I was shocked shortly after voting through the applicant to be faced with a vote to pause. So 
I hope that answered your question, because I'm trying to present scenarios where the work can just get done. Would the be um, willing to readdress or revisit this uh, um, holding back the applications? like you want to hear from the chairs that's I, I, I would just I respect their opinion and if you're saying yeah I'd be willing to re, re look at um, me, me personally yeah. my personal this is incredibly painful to skip a year this is nobody wants and to do this that's where I'm yeah, yeah we, we, we totally agree Mr. Chairman when this came up before the town it failed two times Ms. Lopez calls me and says, we're going to try again. I said, no, the town has spoken. This is crazy. And then it voted with 80% support. And today the support is as great as ever. And, this, and I dare say there's people on this committee who are against it. But today, unified people are behind it. And I think that's wonderful. Can you let us work this through on the committee side? I'll answer your question directly. Would I revisit this? Yes. But I don't know how the rest of the committee will do this. But if we don't have an administrator, it is not a volunteer position to administer a couple million dollars and manage the 25 projects that are out there and to get the reports back and to put it in a, in a, a fit, perfect place for town meeting. To put these projects together can take months. The, I'm talking about the applications. If we get crappy applications, they're not going to pass muster. We're not going to push them through. I have not heard from a single organization saying, we're putting in an application, what are you doing? Now, I've asked the question from my colleague and from people who've appeared before us, do you have an application this year? Do you have anything pending? And nobody has said anything. We have a representative from the school committee on our board. She has said nothing. We have a representative from recreation. They have said nothing. There are no magic projects out there. But if, if the question comes and, and you have the ability to put somebody in our, in our midst tonight and you take the vote, that's a game changer. We go back and we'll discuss it. I may very well change my vote. Absolutely. Well, don't you think that would be the, uh, the common denominator? I asked the right, way we all work ago. together here? It's, I asked it seems it like a solution. Ago. You, 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 I had also heard through the grapevine that this was political payback. Absolutely, I've heard this the same thing. This is not political payback. That is immature and inaccurate to suggest that that's why we did this. Did we have a fabulous administrator? Yes. Did we fight for that administrator? Yes. Did you disagree with our findings in terms of what that person deserves from this town? That's where the disagreement was. And it ended at that point because you're the boss you're the committee that decides who gets hired, and I respect that, and we respect that, and there's no vendetta, there's no reaching back. There is a plaintive request from one member here tonight for you to appoint this person so we can begin the work at hand. If you want to delay, feel free to delay, and the chairs will come in, what, two weeks? I think you have a back one week, next week. So do it. Hear from the chairs. You'll hear from me again. You'll hear from Mr. Leonetti again. You may even hear from the public. I'm fine with that. We all serve at the pleasure of the public. But this is very painful. It is. Very, for all of us. Lisa, uh, so I'm, could I'm, you I'm just sorry, move it, it forward? You're absolutely right. Can you move it forward so we can begin untangling this and get the people's work done? But you're willing, you're willing to have an open mind. I'm, of course, willing to have an open mind. That's a great question. You know me. 
And I, but, I just but, want... but I got to tell you, it really hurt when nobody would return the calls. I have called each one of you over the years. I spoke with Mr. Theodore plainly, told him exactly what was going on, and he asked questions, very important questions, and I said I'd get back, and he got back. We had a dialogue. But where's the respect from the other members? I know you personally. We're neighbors. We're friends. No calls. You heard one side of the story, and it already made the decision. That, that's the pain, but I can get through that. I can get over that. We're, we all have to do the work, and we're all friends, and we'll move through that. But could you make a decision this evening? Would, can I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, would you be willing to readdress the um, accepting of the applications this year? Would that? I, I certainly want to hear what this legal opinion is. Absolutely. But would you, Absolutely. Be, you would be willing to readdress it and to sit there and say, yeah, maybe we, if we have the staff on that we should not make that, but readdress it. We'll and then bring it back for a vote. Bring it, I, I'm willing to participate in a discussion. Again, I'm a one committee member. There are nine committee members, and you're hearing the point of view of one member, and there are eight others. Um, and so what? what a, no, no, yeah, that's right. There's three co of us here. Correct. correct. I'm sorry. In terms of a, a position but taken. Mr. Leonetti made a lot of sense. If, if we're going to delay projects, why wouldn't we have something? If nothing's going to go through in a year, doesn't that give, give us well, another year to he, put he, something he, in he's there? He's correct in that sense. But there's a tremendous <coughs> amount of accounting that has to be put to, to us. There's an understanding of what project monies are coming back. And we need to get out the contract and the letters that, um, you know, as Mr. Lanier said, were written weeks ago. And that's true. I'm the one who wrote them and forwarded them to the chair. Um, I dare say when we leave tonight, none of you are going to take homework where you have to write the letters and do the work. You have a staff. You have people who are supporting you. We're asking for that part-time person to, to begin working with us, to train that person. And we arrived at the same idea at the same time relative to Kristen. Asking, we don't even know if she's willing to do it. It's sort of a shot in the dark. Can she help us onboard this person? But it makes total sense. If you get the right price and you can go through the procurement and the consultancy works for, for, for our, our town finance director, I think that's the perfect um, path. But give us an opportunity. Start the work. Don't delay it another week or two or whatever. Because you're just going to hear this whole thing again. I just so. want one of the questions, George, is if we put this person on and basically you don't give her the applications to, to, to go through the learning process, then doesn't that... We drafted 11-point um, uh, onboarding um, project, which we're beginning to put in Gantt charts. Um, fortunately, Mr. Leonetti, um, who has been helpful in those regards in terms of helping us with the business aspects of what we should be thinking. So we're working towards understanding what this person is going to do when they're onboarding, create the uh, <clears throat> meetings that that person has to do, and we created an eight-point short-term objectives for this person, the most important of which is preparing the draft articles for town meeting, whether we have applications or not. So the work has to be done no matter what. If this person isn't just going to be sitting there for six months. And frankly, let's assume we don't take applications. We may very well start the application project much earlier next year, given the fact that the amount of work that has to go into creating these applications, and you created one, you know what it takes to put those in. If those numbers are wrong, we bring those numbers to town meeting, you wind up having a project much like what happened at the Kennedy School. It's going to sit there and languish. If that's what you want, we can do it. I don't think it's right. 
I don't think it's right to put projects in front of town meeting that aren't ready. And that has happened a couple of times. And it's at real risk this year because they only have a couple weeks to do the pre-apps and maybe five or six weeks to get to the full application before Thanksgiving or you know, whatever the number is. You, you know. So do you really want applications that are half-baked that can't actually get to the shovels? I don't know. Maybe we'll just open it up and you'll see. But we're not going to bring them before town meeting if they're not ready. Well, First step is, let's move the question. If you, do, if you don't want to do it tonight, then we'll come back again next week. I'll, I'm in Canada next week. It won't be me, so you won't have to hear from me again. <laughs> that might be a plus. No. What's the will of the board? What's the board want to do? I'm willing to take them on their word that they're going to try and do their job if, um, if the person was appointed. Um, I don't want to not do our job if we're holding back the committee, but I understand both sides that, you know, if the person's essentially, essentially teachable, um, but not ideal, I mean, if you're not going to take applications for the next year, then I can't the say point? that but, that won't happen, but, but I will tell you. I think we should let you do mind. your job, like you said. Let me finish. Yeah, of course. Like you said, you want to do your job, so if that means having an administrative assistant and Mr. Leonetti's volunteered to on, help onboard and mentor, then you know the, the ball will be in your court to, to try and do your job. So I'm in favor of doing, appointing the person. I, I, I do. I, I agree with Chris. I think delaying is not going to accomplish anything. Uh, let's go forward with the appointment and like, readdress the application fee and then move on. At least we're in the right direction instead of just sitting limbo and I would I don't want to um, um, I, I want to keep it moving as much as possible and I take you at your word I take you at your word and uh, John I know you want you want to help and I saw that in the meeting and that's why I was just dis very just disappointed in the meeting of August 15th and I, I didn't call you because I would have said something I would have regretted and I wanted to talk to our I wanted to talk to our representative first which I did and um, and I know she had talked to you I can I can tell that so that's fine and I could say uh, and I don't want to put Mr. Scollins on the spot, but if there's uh, needs help, if we can move it along, and like, um, and I'll say it uh, in, in a layman's term, meaning me, uh, if there's something like an account temps that we can hire to help them, uh, that's something I, as chairman and this board, would say. Can you find somebody that can help them crunch the numbers? Because that's probably the most the most difficult thing I can imagine. If that's if that's the fact. And if that's willing to look at, I'm not saying it can be done, but you know better than I would. And I'm not asking your staff to do it because, as I said earlier, we asked the DPW to do everything. Everything, a lot of things get stumped in you as well. So if you can maybe, you know, find a retired uh, buddy from Foxborough or, or Rentham or somewhere, and maybe that could help smooth it out for this year until, and I met Allison, and, and, and I, she's a wonderful person. I sat down with her, I talked to her, and I was generally uh, liked her. And, um, you know, she, and she's, her education, she, she can do the job, in my opinion. So that's, that's my opinion. Chair, may I just respond to one thing you said? Because I think it was you who said, you don't need the best administrator. You need a person that you can train and bring up to speed. And that's yes. by default what we found. I know that uh, you and Mr. Aspinall had a very different opinion relative to what we, the board, felt we needed. But you're the appointing authority, so you get that, you get that role. That's what you've got before you. You've got a person that we can train and bring along, and we will keep open minds. We're meeting again in two weeks, three weeks. We'll talk to the chairs and try to accelerate things. 
and and, and, and Mr. Leonetti's offer, I would assume the committee would 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 um, seize upon. I can't speak for the committee, but, but just, for, yeah. For me, we we've worked somewhat successfully together in the past. Not always, but certainly. Thank you, Mr. Lockren. Yeah, uh, um, so, Mr. Cole, you have mentioned that you haven't uh, seen any applications uh, to date. No, no, no. Nobody has said that they intended to put applications before us, based on the representation of the three historical yep, yep. on those representatives, schools, etc. Nobody has said they intended. So as early as June, it was being discussed that we might not take applications. We haven't done any advertising saying we're accepting applications. Right. So we would have done that. Those members that schools haven't submitted anything because they're operating under the assumption that you don't want to take them. It's not a question of not want to. Well, that you're choosing not to take them. Correct. Um, yeah. I mean, that's possible. So uh, it's, it's been asked. Um, you know, would you reconsider? And Ms. Lopez, would you reconsider? So what steps are you going to do to demonstrate that you all reconsider? So if we approve this person tonight, um, are you going to meet with community preservation relatively quickly? Because I know you were talking about the schedule that um, if you get a pre-app and the application is not, you know, you've only got five weeks or so. But that's kind of a self-imposed schedule. And I, I Certainly understand because it's well, uh, the warrant and everything. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you were on the committee. You knew and, and know, and, and uh, Mr. Theodore knows, the time commitment both required by the applicant but by the committee to, to fetter those out and then to get into January and, and, and make the um, numbers work for town meeting. Yep. Can that happen? I hope so. You asked me to keep an open mind. That's all I can pledge tonight. I mean, even if it's a few applications, like a couple of simple ones, like but if you open the door, they're all going to come in, yeah. right? So you know what that's going to be like, yeah. right? How, you know, if that's what happens, but if they're not fully baked, we're not going to help them along to that point to make them baked. And, the numbers have and that to I work. support. You have to support that. That I that, absolutely. But there are examples. organizations that have submitted applications in the past, and this is old hat for them. They, they own the land. They get to the town. I, you know, there's a lot that goes into those applications for town-owned property. Yep. Versus, there are very few athletic applications for for uh, open space or for um, recreation that don't impact the town, requiring the town to do affirmative sign off on those applications and due diligence. As you know, that takes time. And in at least two cases and maybe more, that money has to now come back. And maybe, again, maybe the um, issue is that you know of applications that are, that are fighting to get in. I've asked directly, haven't heard anybody said, oh, I've got a group that definitely wants to put one in. So there may not be applications, which is fine too. But more importantly, as we leave tonight, I'd love to see that town council opinion because, again, on my other role with the state, this would upend um, CPAs across the Commonwealth, and I'd like to share that with the state. So that would be that'd be very helpful. That'd be great. I'd appreciate that. Um, so yes, keep an open mind and um, work with all due diligence if you can appoint a person this evening. Mr. Leonetti. year of the last few years at least that I've served there have been more applications than there is money 
So this was brought up last night again. You know, the idea that there aren't applications, I think, is ridiculous. I think Mr. Loughran's line of thinking is correct. There are no, there are no current applications because there was no invitation to send in applications, but there will be applications and there will be, will be work to do, right? I think we need to be really clear about that. And in addition, thank you. Um, the other thing is, it's great that Ms. Lopez and Mr. Camo will keep an open mind, but there's a vote from this committee not to take applications. So whether they keep an open mind or a closed mind, I don't think really matters because the vote's been taken and passed not to take applications. So I'm a little confused with the timeline. I think moving forward with the applicant makes a lot of sense. The question is, what's she going to be doing if we're not taking applicants? And if town council has said that we need to take applications for projects, then Mr. Lochran again is asking the right question. How and when is that going to happen if this committee isn't meeting again until October 4th and pre-applications are due the first or second week in October? The timeline is very challenging. So what I would propose is you bring the chairs in whose opinions more matter, matter more than the open-mindedness of Mrs. Lopez, and Mr. Camo. And if, in fact, town council is going to invalidate that vote, and that's determined at next week, then there has to be some kind of special meeting or something to meet the timeline that Mr. Lachlan's laying out. Otherwise, the window would have completely passed, and all this time would have gone by without the opportunity for the town to send in applications. And I think that's where the challenge is, and I think you're asking the right questions. It's not a matter of whether there'll be applications. I think the whole suggestion is that there, there won't be because there aren't today is ridiculous. The question is, when are they going to be invited to put in applications if, in fact, town council's opinion is correct? And this is, oddly enough, the argument I was making in July and August. I, one Thank quick you. question. I'm sorry, Ms. Lane. One quick question. Can the deadline be extended? Absolutely. Yeah, we've developed this application. We developed this application so that we could work through uh, November and December with the applicants and get them before us. And so I think that's actually what's going to be ha happen. I've been on this committee for 10 years. I think I do know what I'm talking about. I, I, and, and there's no disrespect to anybody else. <laughs> so I, I, honestly, I and mean, it sounds glib, I, it's not the intent. <coughs> The chair's coming next week do really doesn't fulfill anything because the committee's still going to have to get back together as a committee. Moving this forward tonight uh, will send a strong message to the rest of the commissioners relative to what the interests of the Board of Selectmen are, acknowledging that there's a separate statutory relationship. But if you're doing your work and we're doing our work, there is a sense with an open mind that we can move this forward. If you want to hear all this again next week, again, be my guest. I just don't know what's, what's gained from it. I give you my word to keep an open mind. I've never gone back on that word. Does that mean I'll change my vote? It does mean that I would bring it up and ask for them to move to change the vote, and I very well may change my mind. If we can come up with a program that, that fits and is respectful to town meeting where the numbers work. That's all we care about. But this has really been painful. I'd just like to close this off. Mr. Scrollins, do you have something, sir? Yes, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. 
Chair, just a point of information, um, it's actually very timely for a communication that um, I'm sending out this week, was gonna be sending it out on Monday, but it was a little delayed, so I'll be sending it out tomorrow. And that's the annual capital memo uh, to all of the departments uh, and agencies. And within that first memo, um, it includes uh, the draft milestone timeline for the entire budget process, including CPA for the year, and includes uh, the pre-application form uh, for the CPA applications and, and the dates, et cetera. Um, so uh, based on the latest, uh, the last communique I had um, with uh, one of the co-chairs of CPA, um, I was instructed to, you know, to an announce that um, applications, you know, would be uh, not, not be received this year, but, um, but they still had a process to go through to, to maintain the meeting with the FinCom for the business that they have to bring forward. So um, I'm hoping that uh, within the next um, uh, 12 uh, to 20 hours or so um, that I could get clarification on how I should treat the CPA milestone dates in the communique that I'll be sending out to all depart town departments and agencies tomorrow. I think, again, depending upon the action the board takes tonight, there'll be phone calls made tomorrow with our chairs. The chairs don't make the decisions, as you know, just your chair doesn't either. There's votes, right? So the committee would get together. That's obvious. No, not always. <laughs> <laughs> so again, uh, you know, very mindful of, of that deadline, which is critical. Um, I'm pretty optimistic if we could get our business done tonight that we can get this back on track and then we'll all be heroes and let's get this behind us. All right, it's 8.30, so um, no, other, no further discussion. Um, what's, the, what's the will of the board? Is there a motion or what do you want to do? I make a motion that we uh, appoint Allison Neff as the, uh, the, to the position to the CCCP. Um, CPC administrator. Yeah, administrator. Second. Motion's been made and second. Any discussion? Comments? Concerns? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? That's unanimous, 5-0. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Camo. Thank you, Mr. Leonetti. And thank you, Randy. And thank you. Thank you, Ms. Lopez. Mr. Uh, Aspinwall and Mr. Theodore. Wait a second, I've lost track of where the hell we are. <laughs> firefighter. 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 Firefighter's appointments. They're probably retired by now. All right, I move that the um, board appoint Amira Kim and Ronan J. O'Mahoney as firefighters. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion here? None. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? 5-0. Move that the board appoint Brian Lafferin as a heavy uh, equipment operator. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion here? None. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? 4-0-1. Mr. Lachran abstained. Thank you. I move that the board appoint the Parks and Recreation Seasonal Staff as recommended by the Human Resource Director and the Parks and Recreation Director. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion here? None. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? <coughs> Five zero, Mr. Lo uh, Mr. Lockwood, Mr. Theodore. I move that the board approve the uh, engineering P A F for yeah. yeah. Motion been made. Second. Any further discussion? Hearing none. All those. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Ms. Lopez. Um, I have two questions. Um, uh, several meetings ago, maybe a year or so ago, um, this board took the decision based both on the advice of our outside accountants as well as discussion among the board members 
to not to limit personal services contracts um, to those that are very senior. Um, I, I guess I have a question as to how this position is a very senior position that would warrant a personal services multi-year contract. And number two, um, and that's just a question, I don't um, understand the role perhaps. And then the second question I have is, as I read the contract, in one year the position is paid $66,000, and then in the next year, based on a so-called equity adjustment, it goes up to $90,000 a year. So how does that happen? Eight. Oh, I apologize. My questions were with respect to nine. I thought I heard GIS. I'm sorry. And then I will but hold on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Mm. So we all set? Yeah. Uh, uh, and eight, I'm good. Motion remains. Second, any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Five zero. Uh, vote to approve a PAF for executive assistant. Second. Motion remains. Second, any further discussion? Aye. Hearing none, all those in favor? Aye. 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 I just, just threw her. I just, I just threw her curveball. Let's see if she fell for it twice. Okay, go okay, back so to eight. Go, go back, back to nine. eight. A vote to approve the GIS uh, coordinated contract. Second. Motion made for discussion. Go ahead. However, um, she was offered a position at another surrounding town, and then. Um, Unfortunately, you were not at the meeting where they discussed executive session, but we did a survey of surrounding, surrounding comps, and we thought that to, in order to retain all of the services, she I can't remember how long she's been in the position, maybe five or six years, but yes. the position that she, what, it was a new position, the GIS coordinator was a new position, and she pretty much completely expanded the roles, created relationships, works with DPW, and it warranted an equity adjustment. Um, if we did not provide that, she would have accepted another offer at a surrounding town, and then we would have had to pay that salary and start at a new, at a new person who didn't know the systems and didn't know the players. All right. Um, I guess for me, um, it underscores that we as a town should work hard to keep our good employees because if we lose them there's a hole that's really disruptive and so hearing that explanation um, I am supportive of that notion we should be paying people market rates to you know, retain them particularly if they're good employees um, I will say and just repeat what I've said before I will not vote to um, continue to approve personal services contracts of anybody unless I see performance evaluations. This was and a new, this was not a new. I, I understand that. Okay. So just, I just want to go on the record again. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've been talking about this for three years. Um, I think we need to have that in place <coughs> and particularly with respect to key employees that have personal services contracts. But with your explanation, I'm, I, I'm supportive. Thank you. All set. Mm -hmm. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, five zero. Mr. Theodore. Vote to, uh, uh, to approve the PAF for executive assistant. Is there a motion? Motion been made and seconded. Wait. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, five zero. Ah, okay, and uh, next one is a vote to, I move that the board uh, approve an application to obtain a special liquor license, a special license to serve alcoholic beverages on a one day event for the um, 
Boston Irish Beer Festival to be held at Irish Cultural Center, 200 New Boston Drive, on October 22nd, 2022, from 12 noon to 10 p.m. <coughs> Contingent upon building, fire, and police chief approval. Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, 5 0. Next is to move the board approve an application to obtain a special license to serve wine and malt beverages at a one day event, trivia night, to be held at the Paul Revere Heritage Site in Barn 2 Rolling Mill Way on October 8th, 2022, from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. and continued upon the building commissioners and police chief and fire chief's approval in the, in the Paul Revere Heritage Site is asked about wavering the $50 application in the fifth waiving the $50 application fee. Second. Motion has been made and second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, 5-0. Next is I move that the board accept and authorize the use of the gift in accordance with the terms under Mass General Laws 44, Section 53A, $250 donation to the police department in honor of Chief Berkowitz's retirement from Harold Marsh. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Donation from Mr. Marsh. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, 5-0. Um, I move that the board approve the request from the Parks and Recreation Department to hold the annual Halloween parade on October 30th at 1 p.m. Second. Motion has been made and second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, 5-0. This on the agenda is the Ponca Park School follow-up. Mr. Rasmussen. Uh, Mr. Chairman, the, uh, there was a meeting up at the school and it was determined that uh, for various reasons, it was not a suitable location for the, um, the food pantry. So I'm looking for a direction from the board as to how you would like to proceed with the building, whether to allow the scouts to use it. They were one of the parties that approached the board about a year ago, or should we put it out to bid for dis disposition or for lease, excuse me. Um, I, I missed what you just said, something or about putting scouting. it out for lease? Or, or, yeah, or, or put it out to bid out, for lease. Yeah, but wouldn't we have to do repairs to it before we did that, though, to lease a building? You can, you can, you can make it such that the, the new occupier would be responsible for those costs. W wasn't the scouting department saying that they would uh, take care of all of that, yes. including subleasing to other organizations, but that they would uh, be responsible for all that? They, well, they said they would be responsible for the repairs. I, I, subleasing, I think, would be would merit further discussion. I think. Okay. Uh, yes. I mean, I had understood that the um, Boy Scouts proposal was, you know, looking for town-wide meeting space. I, I wasn't sure that it was a formal sublease arrangement that they were proposing, but that they would manage the calendaring of different town-wide groups that needed access to meeting space. I guess I would like to understand both that. And I know previously there was some MAPC work to consider the space potentially for affordable housing. I mean, I, and, and I don't have any agenda one way or the other. I just, before we make a decision to lease it, I'd, I'd like to let the community know that there's some space here that might be an available asset. Um, I, I, so. And I, I'm, I agree with that, but I'm, I don't want to go through what we went through last time with the, the former tenants were in there that did nothing for the town at a, at a reduced rate. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Let's, let's, see, let's see, see what's out there and if we can't find anything. I don't want to sell the building. Right. Once it's gone, it's gone. Right. I, I, I agree. <coughs> so do we need a motion for anything? No. So we're just going to move on and just not do anything with it. Um, 
Yeah. Wasn't there another part of that agenda item as to the St. Gerard's? It was. Yeah. Station two undergoing a repair. Yeah, there's a, a new development. Yeah, would you please? Let <laughs> me get the microphone. Just get up to them. And Sorry. And your <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Funded by capital, um, which was scheduled to take place this fiscal year. So um, during the process of getting pricing, uh, one of the contractors suggested that the adhesive that's holding the floor down needed to be tested, tested for asbestos, which we did. And there, there is a chance that that adhesive has just enough asbestos in it to have to be mitigated, which would put this project on hold. I'd have to go back, get a price <coughs> to do that, and come back to capital with another request to, to handle that. If the project was to go forward, we were looking to house our crews temporarily in the St. John's Rectory so they could stay in the district that they respond to and not extend the response times by having them come down to Station 1 to live. And it, the, month, the project would be about a month. But right now, it's on hold because we're still waiting for the results of the adhesive to see if it has asbestos. The only thing I would ask is if uh, consult with the building commissioner. Uh, already done so. Okay. And Steve Schwinner as well. With, oh, yes. the, with the building. So we think it can be utilized if necessary. Yes, Ms. Lopez. Um, I would just ask that um, if it's moved forward as a temporary use, which I support, um, that we communicate clearly with the public as well as the advisory committee because the public has a way sometimes of misinterpreting yeah. what's happening and why, uh, and thinking that you know somehow the fire station's being built in the backyard. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. wrong. right, right, yeah. right. So we just want to be really, really clear I agree. about what's happening. I agree. I and no, no sirens until we go on Washington Street. I promise. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next on the agenda is the uh, beautification committee report, Mr. Conley. <laughs> Finally. Um, so the board reorganized recently, Michael McHugo is pre um, chair, Dr. Alan Rappaport is vice chair and I'm the clerk. We have two open spots, I think I we mentioned it at one of our last meetings, there's two open, there's two vacancies if anyone wants to be on the committee. Um, right prior to COVID, probably our last meeting before COVID on March 2nd, 2020, the board of selectmen voted to approve the use of up to 15,000 of mitigation funds from University Station account for the installation of a new fence near the viaduct. It's near Canton Auto School. It's, a, it's right now, it's just a, um, a chain link iron fence and it's behind a um, guardrail. Um, Mike McHugh got, um, I have some pictures. Of, oh, um, great. And on, on page two would be the, um, that's what the fence would be like. It's an aluminum uh, fence of distinction. And on page two, he circled, it would have some spikes at the top. It's very similar to the fences that are along DePonta Street at the uh, Paula Revere Park without the granite um, <laughs> pillars. marker or pillars. Um, we, they, they wouldn't look good behind. There's a big guardrail there, so it would kind of defeat the purpose to have something like that there. Um, so we got one quote from Canton Fence for 16500 We're in the process of we need to get two more quotes in order to avoid having to do an RFP. So I just wanted the board to see that we're kind of going in this direction with this type of aluminum fence, which would be consistent with the uh, Paul Revere Park although it would have spikes on the top to discourage anyone from trying to jump over into the, into the viaduct. Um, so that's our, our, main, um, our main project right now. There was also discuss, some discussion of maybe looking into putting some lights on the viaduct, sort of as that's the gateway into Canton. Right. 
from the Walpole Street area, and we, we would discuss that, and I can report at the next time. But as far as this, any comments on this type of style fence for that area? So, uh, sorry, uh, not on the style of fence. Is this the fence that will enclose the waterfall? Yeah, it's three-sided. Is, is that our fence? Because um, I don't know who it was, but th they were just there fixing the chain yeah. link fence. Okay. I know that oh. the um, River, o River Oaks or the condo does do, they volunteer to do some maintenance there. It's part of the agreement. Yeah, but I don't know if the They're mowed. They were, they, no, they were this is like, I don't know if it was the T. Um, Amtrak? Yeah, th oh. th th there, were, there were people there uh, because the fence was falling down and they just uh, fixed it. Okay. Do we know if... We can check with that. I'll, I'll check tomorrow. Okay. J just... Uh, yeah. That's a good point. I don't okay. want to put it in only to the, I, somebody say that they own it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah it's... Um, it's not getting driving school. What is it? Getting auto school? Sorry. No. Shameless plug. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just wanted everyone to see the, the type of style. It's M&M. M&M, sorry. Yeah. M &M. Is that the one next first. to, yeah, that's the one next to M&M driving school. Sorry. No, that's, we actually, we've, been, we've, been, we've, we've actually been talking, like I say, for, for years on this. So yeah, we did it. So, and like um, I say, it ties that, that whole viaduct into the Paul Revere Heritage site. It's a nice way to come into town. Yeah, that, Mike, absolutely. Yeah. Mike McHugh in the trade, so yeah, he's, yeah, he's he, talking yeah, to a lot be a people, great person thought this was the best option, so I just wanted to report our progress. And I'd be interested in stepping on that with you, too, if you... Okay. Of, yeah, we got to get two more bids, but... No, 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 just uh, on the part of the committee, too. Just oh, okay. Yeah, oh, great, great. Yeah, just, yeah definitely love to do that. Okay. Um, next on the agenda is the uh, vendor warrant for the week of 9-2 is $1,360,686.84. Warrant, uh, payroll warrant, same week, $276,431.96. Excuse me, the vendor warrant for September 9th is $1,600,232.32. The payroll warrant for the same week is $1,311,904.09. Um, hold on one second now. What did I just do with the amounts for the cemetery? $13,12.50. What is it? Thirteen twelve fifty. Oh, there it is right here. Okay. Oh, well, oh yeah, okay. Uh, the cemetery, uh, vote to approve the cemetery lot perpetual care deeds. Uh, second. Motion made second for the cemetery commitments. Any further discussion, comments, concerns? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 That was Opposed, five lot. zero. And then the vote to approve the cemetery commitments in the amount of $1,312.50. Motion made second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Next on the agenda is a vote to approve the minutes of the select board meeting of August 30th, 2022. Second. Motion to remain second. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Oh, 401. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, next is the celebration, which Andrew already did. And so the next, the select board will hold its next meeting on September 20th, 2022, 5.30 p.m. here in the solid meeting room, 801 Washington Street. Uh, that's Mr. Chairman. Yes, Mr. Sorry. Um, I, I apologize for not um, getting this onto the agenda, but I... Uh, wanted to bring something up. Um, there is a uh, event that is held uh, annually. I, I think this is our second or third one. I don't mean our second or third. I think this is the second or third one. It's a uh, bed for every child event. Uh, it's October 2nd from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock. In years past, they've used the St. Gerard's property 
and Mike Mahan had reached out to me asking me if we could do this, and I let him know that we had a select board meeting on 913 and I would bring it to the board. Um, but then there was an advertisement in the citizen <laughs> kind of already claiming that. Um, so it, it was a uh, <coughs> error in timing. Um, they, they certainly uh, did, no. did not get permission from us. Uh, but I would ask the board uh, to allow this organization to uh, use the St. Gerard's property. They're, they're just in the back uh, parking yeah, lot. That's fine. What, just, what was the name of the... Uh, it's called A Bed for Every Child. And it's being sponsored by a business, correct? Yes. So we just need, I think, and not speaking out of school, just need an insurance. Just the insurance, yep. Right, Mr. Lassimore? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. That was so, a concern because when uh, there's other things, we just ask in case someone breaks a leg or yeah, gets hurt. Going to be saws and yes, things like that. So, what do they need the insurance? Insurance it's just override. Yeah, just certificate of certificate of insurance. Certificate of insurance. A rider. Liability. Okay, so I move that the um, we allow the. What date is that, Mike? October. It's October second, from eleven o'clock to one o'clock. One p.m. I move that we uh, approve the um, use of the St. John's uh, St. Gerard's property for the um, bed for every child on October eleventh. October second. Uh, October second from eleven p.m. to one p.m. Sorry, uh, continue to point. What's I say? Eleven a.m. Yeah, eleven a.m. to one p.m. Yeah, to one p.m. Yeah, second. Motion made, second. Any further discussion? With insurance override. It's insurance yep. override. Insurance override. All finished. those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed five zero. Thank you. I apologize. Uh, that's right. But that's not obviously the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and that's it. So uh, next thing is I just uh, move that you go to consent. Um, oh, I'm sorry, the, Charlie. The, uh, so, the uh, executive session isn't necessary. That the person the person was supposed to get us information. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. Oh, you want to? I think you want to go in executive session. Just Can we discuss that. So, <laughs> Mr. Chairman, uh, apologies. I I believe that there's a topic not anticipated. Building uh, another building permit fee waiver request. Sure. Go ahead, sir. And, so, it was for the housing authority. Yep. We have five thousand eight hundred fifty-two dollars. Okay. So, yeah. Can I just see that for a yeah, second? Yeah. Then? So, I. Um, four hundred seventeen thousand eight hundred seventy-seven dollars, which would be building permit. That's a state agency. So, five thousand eight hundred fifty-two dollars would be waived. By the, for the state. By the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't give them anything, but I move that the board um, waive the permit fee. Uh, Building permit fee of $5,852. Hagen Court stair replacement. The Hagen Court, a new Hagen Court. Oh. Second. Dr. Hagen. Motion to be made and seconded. Any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor of the waiving the fee, say aye. Aye. 5 0. Excellent. That's it then. Nothing more executive session. There's no executive session. No. So I move, a motion I to move adjourn. that we adjourn. Second. Motion to be made to adjourn at uh, 8.50. 852. All those in favor say aye. Five zero.